babies, and now it's time to go to our live remote man on the scene at the Pinedale Shopping Mall for the big WKRP turkey giveaway. So, take it away, Les Nessman. This is Les Nessman, your man on the scene here at the Pinedale Shopping Center, where the excitement is mounting. So far, so good, huh? I'm here with hundreds of people who have gathered to witness what has been described as perhaps the greatest turkey event in Thanksgiving Day history. All we know for sure is that in a very few moments, there are going to be a lot of happy people out here. Now, the crowd is... The, the crowd is, uh, curious, but well-behaved. And I think I hear something now. Uh, the crowd is moving out into the parking area. And, oh, yes, I can see it now. It's a... It's flying something behind it. I can't quite make it out. It's a large banner. And it says, uh, Happy Circling the parking area now, I guess it's looking for a place to land. Oh, something just came out of the back of the helicopter. It's uh, a dark object. Uh, it's a skydiver. Looming through the earth from only 2,000 feet in the air. The third. No parachutes yet. Shopping mall has just been bombed with live TV. Film at 11. It should have worked. As God is my witness, I thought turkeys could fly. in television history right That's fantastic. Why, hello, it is uh, six minutes and 15 seconds after the hour of 11 of this, the month of November. In the year of our Lord, 2008, thank you for coming along and making a part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed and festive studios. Hey, I'm 970, uh, the talker. This, my friends, is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. 503 503- 7332970. So today is the day before Thanksgiving. That means that this weekend I can come in and festoon the studio with Christmas decorations. And I'm going to. Right. Uh, and hello. All right. It is Wednesday, the 26th. Anyone? Yes, yes. Excellent. Uh, and so forth. All right. It's 503 733 503 
733-2970. If you'd like to join us today, 503-733-2970. You can uh, get on board with your comments, questions, clarifications, kvetches, kvetches, ruminations, ponderings, whatever it is you might have today. 503-733-2970. Richie Bristol, who now graces a poster that is hung up in the uh, corner. And I think there's one of these posters hung in the kitchen, too. It is indeed. And it isn't Richie, Rick Emerson. I'm sorry, Rochelle. i got to get a picture of this uh, up on my website. Over there's, a huge, there's a huge poster. Taboo Video presents Rochelle Crystal in the lips. She's adorable. Ca- cabaret. Stout but attractive, I'd say. Uh, so for Richie's drag show, Saturday, September 13th, 2008. So if you go into the kitchen now, right above the radio, and right to the, to the immediate right of that, uh, that Portland Tribune article that's been hung up about us in there, I gotta take it down. It's getting all yellowed. Um, but right next to it is this poster that features Richie with his. I mean, it's not as bad as I'm making it sound, but with his legs spread, wearing a glittery pink dress, a wig, big pinky ring, in front of some spangly curtains. Well, anyway, we'll talk more about it. All right. Anyway, uh, Richie Bristol standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along your observations about the interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, the uh, t- uh, the, the, the something tedious, tumultuous, tenuous. Yeah. Tim Petuous. There you go. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, it's uh, 503-733-2970. If you'd like to email, you can do that as well. It's rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rickemerson.com. Sarah at 970.am. Tim at 970.am. Or Richie with a T at 970.am. All right. So, first and foremost, lots of stuff coming up today. It is Wednesday, the day before Thanksgiving. Uh, we should get this out of the way. First of all, uh, yeah, we suck. We're not going to be here tomorrow. We don't suck. In fact, I think the people are happy for us that we're actually going to go and enjoy our own thing. No, see, they're not. That's the thing. You'd like to think the people are happy for us, but they're not. The members of this program are staying home with members who love them. Oh, uh, whatever. No, but Rick's going to be here. <laughs> I'll be here. I just won't be able to do a show. I'll just be sitting here because I'd just be sitting sad and alone. Why? Because it would just be me in an empty room by myself, like, so here I am. So, Rick, what? you need to learn to embrace downtime. <laughs> it's not about me embracing. I'm just saying. You Why don't you bring to... in your favorite 45s and play them endlessly? I thought about reading from a book for four hours, and I'm not making that up. I thought about bringing it. Today, Twilight, Chapter 1. James loved the winter. I thought about coming and reading from a book for four hours, but the thing is, I know there's some poor schlub working at a 7-Eleven who doesn't want to hear me read from a book. He'd rather hear me talk to Rowdy Roddy Piper again or something. So, so as much as you like to think that people uh, embrace us taking time off, no, even as we speak, Sarah, MySpace comments are probably being posted about how I suck and I'm a slacker. All of it true. See, every holiday, I get the opposite of MySpace comments. When every holiday that you make us work, everyone's like, I'm you sorry, know. <laughs> you have to work for Rick. He's a jerk. Uh, like, Rick needs to give you guys a day off. Uh, so thank you, Rick. Thank, thank you for giving thank us you, this thank Thanksgiving you, thank present. You. Very welcome. Uh, anyway, so, yeah, we suck. We're not going to be here tomorrow or Friday. Be back on Monday, tanned and rested and whatever it is people are supposed to say after days off. Um, but big show today, so that we're going out in style. Today, Lisa Desjardins will join us. Bob Castantini, Jim Roop from Los Angeles. Uh, we got that Maspace verdict coming up today. Uh, I guess Any the verdict is now. in. They haven't announced it, but the verdict is in. We'll talk to Jim Roop about that. Uh, Mick Wall, author of WAR, biography of Axel Rose, uh, will join us actually here in just a few minutes. He's going to join us this hour uh, to talk about the uh, the release of Chinese Democracy. It happened on Sunday. Uh, so we'll talk to him about, uh, about Axel, about Chinese Democracy, about Guns N' Roses. Uh, the one and only Tony Bennett, ladies and gentlemen. Tony Bennett. Brief interview with Tony Bennett coming up later on today. So according to the judge, uh, the judge report, the Missouri mother in the MySpace cyberbullying case convicted of a lesser misdemeanor charge 
and that is developing. Yeah. So we'll have uh, so we'll have more details on that. Roop's gonna well, there's still gonna be a civil case. I mean, they're gonna take her house and everything. Every money she'll ever, you know, every dime she'll ever make is gonna go right to that other that girl's family. Uh, Tony Bennett today. Aaron Duran. We'll talk to Aaron Duran today. And so let me get this out of the way because we got we got Mick Wall coming up here in just a few. So when I say get it out of the way, let me address this right up top. Um, I'm just gonna read uh, through these emails. Uh, Rick about the shield. Were you also unable to sleep last night? How about this one? Rick, for God's sake, could it have ended any better? I won't be able to sleep for weeks. How about this one? Uh, this one says, Shield finale. For the love of God, Sean Ryan has no heart. From my space today, Seamus posted something, I think, early this morning after the Shield finale. He said, God damn, Sean Ryan has no MFing soul. That's true as well. Another one. Here's another, Did you sleep after the Shield? Uh, how about this one? Uh, Sean Ryan is an evil bastard, has no soul, is a genius. Uh, I have to purge. And then this, by the way, is a three-page email broken into five parts about last night, uh, the finale of The Shield. Um, well, first of all, I should tell you, no, I couldn't sleep. So thanks a lot uh, for letting me know so I'm not the only one. You couldn't sleep because it was that good? It was, well, it was good. Don't get me wrong. It was good. I mean, and I, it was fantastic. It was amazingly well done. Because, you know, sometimes shows, they just go out bad. And The Sopranos, I know a lot of people feel that Sopranos ending was good. I'm not one of them. I feel it was a cop-out. Um, I don't like the way The Sopranos ended. And for me, it taints the whole series a little bit. Because, you know, the entire series is building just towards this bad resolution. That's kind of how I feel about Twin Peaks. Whereas I yeah. love the series in the last episode. I'm just like, really? And that's the thing. It's like, that's, I've invested seven years. And not that everything has to end with a blazing gunfight or some such. But, you know, you, so you invest seven years, and then at the end of it, you're like, really? This is what I gave years of my life for was to lead to this, this crap? Um, last night's episode of The Shield was, I mean, first and foremost, it was, it was unbelievably good. But, Jesus, uh, I, I, I really, I had difficult, I had nightmares. I really did. Um, uh, I don't know if that's the right way to put it. Maybe nightmares is the wrong, but you know what I'm talking about if you saw last night's finale of The Shield. And, by the way, let's have no illusions about this. We will be talking about it in some depth and detail. So if you haven't seen it or you don't want to know, uh, whenever you hear us crank up the uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. discussion, I mean, I'm not going to spring spoilers on you uh, without warning. But whenever you hear us talk about last night's The S.H.I.E.L.D., it's not going to be spoiler-free. So that's just the word of the wise today. Um, wow, it, it really was just... I kept trying to sleep, and then I kept just, you know, whatever, just reliving or seeing these, you know, seeing these scenes from last night's finale just go through my head. I mean, it was, it was it, it, quite stunning. I mean, just, just... I'll just I'll just tell you this, and I have this I have this email committed to memory. We got it last night. I got it committed to memory. It's only two lines. Uh, my good friend Jesse uh, from Bubba Speed, uh, he sent me an email. He said, subject line was the Shield, and then his email just said, Jesus, what a ball punch. So there you go. That and that it was, kids. That it was. Um, yeah, I and for now I almost don't even want to get into it. We'll take a few calls here right at the top. We're going to talk to Mick Wall in a few. So everything is going to be a little uh, helter-skelter today, a little all over the board in terms of timings. we got uh, the Tony Bennett thing to get to later. Uh, again, we have this uh, guest right here at the beginning of the program. Tim Riley working on the following stories for your edification. Barbara Bush has ulcer surgery. I wonder who gave her that. Ulcer? Mm-hmm. Howard Dean will step down from the DNC. There's a special place in hell reserved for those who stole a van full of gifts for needy children from in front of a Salem home. Fewer travelers for PDX and on the road this holiday weekend. Plenty of room for everyone. Wild turkeys invade Longview. Icy roads cause crashes in Washington County. Forget stitches. Doctors are now welding wounds shut. 
And, of course, we'll hear from the Butterball Turkey Hotline. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, oh, and I guess we have the... You know who won Dancing with the Stars last night? Are you going to talk about that later? Is that news I, you pulled? I didn't because you didn't seem to care yesterday. I didn't seem to care. Yeah, I mean, I didn't care. Let's have let's, let's have no... There's no seam about it. Or the it. day before that. I didn't ever care about Dancing with the Stars, except for two things. One, you know who won was Brooke Burke, our old friend from Rockstar Supernova, uh, with, the, like, the fakest hair I've ever seen. Brooke Burke won Dancing with the Stars. Also... I didn't see. I saw a little bit of this on the YouTube. Somebody told me about this. Here's another reason I watched that show. First of all, they're like bad, like you know, it's like some bad karaoke house band, you know, doing like these terrible covers. I guess they did Sir Mix a lot. You know, the baby got back. Mm-hmm. But I, I bet I think they cleaned it up, and it was a whole lot of like I like big girls or whatever. You know, they were just doing like a radio, like a family edit of it. You know the Sinatra song "I Get a Kick Out of You." Yes. So. Here's a song that you don't really think about a lot. It's, it's, it's interesting when you go back and you listen to a song from way back when, and it actually has lyrics that now they have to take out. Lyrics that were acceptable in the time of Sinatra. And when I get a kick out of you, that's what, the 50s maybe? Yeah. 40s maybe? It's standard, certainly. It's from that era. Mm-hmm. It's interesting when you hear a standard. I mean, we're talking about a song from 65 years ago, World War II, sometimes before that, and they have to edit it out for network television in 2008. Because one of the great lines... In I Get a Kick Out of You, I was listening to it this morning, actually, uh, my way to Beaverton, um, is that line, um, some they may fancy cocaine, mm-hmm. which is the line of Sinatra, and he's talking about how his girl is so intoxicating that even cocaine can't hold a candle to her. And it's pretty cool when you hear Sinatra singing that in, again, like 1955 or whatever. And he says, uh, but I know that if I took even one sniff, it would bore me to riff. Um, you know, terrifically too, because I get a kick out of you. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think they they changed it apparently last night to instead of like some may fancy cocaine, it was something about like some like to sing in the rain or I don't know, hang out in Spain or whatever. And they changed the line about taking a sniff to like hearing a, a piano riff. It's just it's retarded. So that's another. So there you go. That's like reason number five hundred and seventy-four why I don't watch Dancing with the Stars. Well, speak of Tony Bennett, he is this week's free do- download on iTunes. Really. It's, from his, it's uh, a Christmas song. It is beca- it's because of his uh, new album, Tim, Swingin' Christmas uh, with Tony Bennett and the Count Basie Orchestra. Mm-hmm. It's what terrific. I'm talking about. Yeah. Is it really? Have you listened to it? Yeah. All right. It's Winter Wonderland. So we're going to talk to Tony Bennett later on about his career. He was cool. Uh, I have to, I'm not going to lie. It's a pre-taped interview. We did, it's not going to be live. Uh, I had to pre-tape it this morning, so I'm not going to try to pass that off as, you know, whatever. Um, cool cat, though. Hey, oh, Rich, yeah. Richie, are we calling Mick Wall, or is he calling us? I'm calling him. How do we dial an international number? Isn't it 011 and then the country code? Richie, dial 9, obviously. Then 011 and then whatever the country code is. I guess he's in Britain. I don't know what the Brits use for a country code. (laughs) All right. Well, in any event. Uh, We're joined today, as always, by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon. Hello. How are you today? Hello. I'm doing fabulously. Are you? I am indeed. Excited to have days off. Four days in Bremerton. Woo! Well, I don't want to be so excited because you're making me feel bad about it. I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I'm really not. Okay. No, I'm super excited. I'm, right. I'm very, very excited to have a couple of days off to just relax. And mm. and my heat is working in my apartment, so I'm just going to go home That's this afternoon. That's always good. And just, yeah, hang out and watch movies and be warm. Excellent. It's going to be awesome. When are you going to Bremerton? Uh, tomorrow. And then you're there until? Until Sunday. All right. Now, so three days. That's about right. Yes, I am kind of nervous, though, because... So my parent, okay, I'm I'm a 28 year old woman. I understand this. A grown woman. Grown woman, and I understand I shouldn't still be afraid of my mother, but she doesn't know that my sister and I got the tattoos that we did on your wrists. Yes, in New York, and this is why you were wearing sweatbands the last time you were back in. It's the fashion, Mom. I'm wearing sweatbands 24 hours a day. To sleep. Everybody does it now. 
Yeah, so I was wearing sweatpants last night. I can't do it again. My sister's freaking out because she's coming home for Christmas, and she's afraid that if my mom doesn't know before, then it's going to ruin the whole Christmas trip. So I decided, will. To, so I decided to bite the bullet. I'll be like, you know what? I'll tell her. Oh, wait, um, so you're taking the brunt of mom's abuse. Doesn't your, doesn't your mom know you already have one tattoo? Yeah, but uh, I know that was like 12 years ago. I don't know, think, 16. And does she think it's a one-time aberration? I think so. It was but, a mistake. You know, since then, I'm, so I don't know exactly how to word it, and she's driving down from Bremerton to come and snag me because right. of just the other circumstances. I see you're and, wearing a sweater that goes all the way to the middle of your hands, though. All the way <laughs> to your palms. This no, this isn't. I don't have to hide them yet. But I don't know how to break the news to her, and I don't want her, you know, to murder me. And I, I know that I'm grown up, and I paid for it with my own money and everything. Yeah, what's she gonna do? I said, can't send you to your room. I just don't want to disappoint her. And I'm, I could just see her. Well, that I, me I'd get over that, that right now. You're gonna That's be true. I guess I'm in radio. And I'm saying, I mean, yeah, it has nothing to do with you. I'm just saying, children, one endless disappointment to their parents. It's true. Over and over, and no matter who you are, you disappoint your parents. Well, I've just been trying to think of the proper wording to kind of because it is a sweet tattoo. I mean, my sister and I got each other, you know, our birthstones and each other's birthstones on our wrists. And, um, you know, she's always liked the fact that we're very close. So I'm trying to think of a way to word it, you know, to make it kind of work in my favor. But So we could, you want us to craft the phrase. I need help with the, with the phrase crafting. You should start with something even worse. Say, Mom, I'm in jail. Now, now look, the cops planted the meth. No, 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 I'm just kidding. I got to tattoo them. There you go. See? Bam. Done and done. But, I'm, but it's going to be in person. Oh. Um, it's not like I'm trying to ruin the holidays, Mom. Mother. Yeah, exactly. How about this? How about now, um... Now, here's the thing. Um, I know you're going to say that this means he and I should get married, but it doesn't. Oh, no, just kidding. I only got a tattoo. See, there you go. You just lead into it with a, a something that's even worse. That might be kind of hilarious. I'm telling you. It's, I know. I know. I, do I know things or do I know things? Hey, Richie, do we know things like how to call Mick Wall? I don't know if we have that <laughs> So we can't actually call another country from here. So it's in Britain. It's in Britain. Country yeah. code. Well, he's uh, he's got the code. I just don't know that he knows how to call another country. Should I update this little story quickly? The jury has given no jail for anyone. A jury has convicted a Missouri mother of a lesser misdemeanor crime in the MySpace cyberbullying case. The federal court jury in L.A. rejected felony charges of accessing a computer me? without authorization to inflict emotional distress. Oh. However, the jury found defendant Lori Drew guilty of three counts of a lesser offense of accessing a computer without authorization. The jurors could not reach a verdict on a conspiracy count. Oh, you know what? It doesn't matter. She's going to get hers. In heaven, she'll live a long, natural life, free from harassment or violence. And then someday, when she dies of natural causes, an old lady, she's going to go to heaven, and God is going to give it. God is going to, God's going to beat her ass. God is going to give it to her uh, in, a, in a very painful way. All right. Uh, let's do this. Let's uh, get a few calls. It's 503-733-2970. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Is this me? Yes, it is. Hello, sir. Great. Uh, uh, happy Thanksgiving to you guys. Thank you. We'll Thank you. Same to you. Thank although, you. Although I can already picture Clyde, Clyde Lewis in the parking lot with his burger cake knocking on the door. Hello? And knocking on a door that will never be opened. Trying to carry that burger cake. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, as far as uh, last night with the, with the shield. Dude. Um, Sam freaking fantastic. I, it was, I, uh, I mean, at the there were moments last night. And I'm hard to shock. I mean, I'm a jaded American television watcher. And, I mean, I've lived through all kinds of traumatizing television, uh, you know, twist endings, people who, you know, you think are going to be there for the whole series and they get shot in the face. There were a lot of moments last night where I actually, and I'm sitting there alone by myself, just me and the dogs watching The Shield, where I actually would put my hand over my mouth and say, oh, my God, which I don't ever do. You yeah, I did, I did that several times. And, and believe, believe you me, I will never utter the words family meeting. 
Oh, it's again. yeah. <laughs> I mean, God, God damn. And we'll just plunge into this here. I don't know what the deal is with Mick Waller. We get, are we getting him? Right? I mean, because he's a Richie's trying. I don't think it, um, Dave Zinn isn't even sure if we have the capability well, of calling out of the country. One moment, sir. And uh, here's the thing, Richie, if you're listening, I don't know that it's gonna. He's got like a tight interview schedule today too. So even if you oh, get him, all right. All right. We, well, will you find out like what his schedule is? Because I know he's got a bunch of interviews today. The warm one is up right now. All right, Jesus God. Okay. All right, I don't know. Comedy of errors. All right, well, in any, but we may or may not be talking to Mick Wall today. But then, you know, but then happen, then happen. Um, so yeah, the shield. Um, but that that sequence when they when they kick in the door, they go into the house, and then of course you know it's bad news when you just hear the single gunshot because you know right. there's three people in there: Shane and his wife and his kid, and they you only hear one gunshot, you know that's no good. And so Shane is in there, and then you know the creepiest thing when they show. Shane, when they show Mara and the kid dead, I mean, with, it's with the flowers. Well, the that's track. the thing. It wasn't just that they were dead. It like I'm not, I'm not trying to. This is so weird to say. It almost would have been better if it had been just some really violent murder suicide, where Shane just goes in, bam, wife dead, bam, kid dead, bam, Shane dead. Because then you know, crime of passion and whatever. But I mean, they show his wife and his kid on the bed, and they're obviously dead. But then he's got them all arranged, and Mara's like holding flowers in her hand, and her. Hands are threaded together over her, you know, over her chest, and she's laying there like she's in a casket. It's just so unbelievably. And I, can I tell you this? Maybe I'm the dumbest guy on earth. I didn't see any of that coming when Shane is in the convenience store buying flowers and a pen, and then starts giving all of his money to the clerk behind the counter. When he's buying flowers and a bunch of pens and paper, I, for some reason, I didn't see it coming. And yeah, then it didn't it didn't occur to me at all that that that's more ultimately where that was going to end. Oh. I did I did see and, and love how Claudette got her revenge on on Vic at the end. Oh yeah, absolutely. That was with with the pictures and then with uh take, you know, with the, the with and then Corinne and the kids being running. stashed in some witness protection place somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, I mean Vic's you know he's here here and there. Sean Ryan said it right. Vic gets everything he deserves. And I have to That's say this: there are any number of ways we all speculated about how the shield was going to end. Is Vic dead? Does Vic go to jail? Does Vic redeem himself by somehow taking the weight for everybody else and they get off and Vic finally goes to prison, which is what he deserves? No one. I didn't see any article any blog posting i didn't talk and i got a lot of friends who watch the shield like i mean with a magnifying glass i didn't talk to anybody who saw last night coming but when you think back on last night's uh, shield finale there is no way it could have ended differently i mean there is no way that they could have ended it other than how they did because it was perfect it was a perfect ending for for, for vic Mackey. Yeah, I mean, in, in in my in my book, I mean, it, it ranks that that series finale ranks right up there with with Mash and Cheers. Yeah, you know, it's one of the best in my unbelievable. All right, thank you, sir. Thanks, Rick. Uh, there you go. Yeah, just uh, yeah, just one just one big punch in the just a kick in the junk just over and over last night. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hey, Rick. To dial England, it's zero one one, and then the country code is forty four. Yeah, but I'm not. I'm unclear about whether we're allowed to call overseas from CBS phones. I think that's the issue. No one's really sure. CBS. Edward R. Murrow, you short wave. Les, Les Moonves may have. Uh, you know, it is. We are budget conscious here uh, at CBS, especially now, sir. Uh, Les Moonves may have restricted our uh, our, call, our calling. We may only be able to uh, to call in our friends and family network as of now. Right, we are blocked. Richie's confirmed. We can't call an international number. We've been blocked. Uh, I'm going to give you permission. We've been talk blocked. That. I'm sorry, what? I'm going to let you, I'm going to override that and let you, right. I'm giving you permission. You're a good person. Thank you, sir. Later. All right, bye now. All right. Talk blocked and dick 
Yes, just uh, that. Yes. Yeah, uh, Don Taylor's a disc tease. She's uh, genius. I, I'm listening to the recap again. I love hearing like her no. speak about films and stuff. No, she's great. She's uh, no, she's uh, she's wonderful. Uh, here's the name. Hey, you suck. There you go. Thanks so much. How about this? You are a Thanksgiving slacker. All right. Appreciate it. Uh, okay, I guess Mick Wall is calling us here in just a few. Uh, hi, you're on the uh, Rick Emerson show. Hello there. F those people that say you suck. Didn't you learn anything from Ebenezer? I barely knew her. That's what I'm saying. See, I can I can throw. And plus, you know, I think Laura is getting back in town tonight. Uh, yeah. It was unclear about whether she was going to stay in Houston. Oh, Stephen, nice. you guys can spend a special Thanksgiving together. Yes. I'll tell you, we already have a Thanksgiving plans. I don't want to say it on the air. Uh, okay. I might reveal it on Monday. We've already got plans for Thanksgiving. Are you going to Chuck E. Cheese? Uh, not Chuck E. Cheese. We are going. Uh, it, we are doing something like that. And it was her idea. She's, you know, she's been in Peru, Machu Picchu, Bolivia, Panama. No, she's already picked out like the best trashiest Thanksgiving for us ever. She's like, I have the best trashiest idea ever. Thanksgiving on 82nd. It, it's even better. It's even <laughs> trashier, Tim. Uh, even trashier than 82nd. I know that doesn't seem possible. All right. Well, hey, Rick, I was going to say, um, you know, you'd be welcome to come out to our house. We'd love to have you. Well, I've always made one of those uh, relish plates, you know. With, with those the, little uh, green onions? With the, with the carrots and celery sticks. And Most folks call onions. them green onions, but they're really scallions. All right, thank you. I, I, I see what you did there. All right, we got sorry, we got to cut it short here. Uh, let us do this. All right, we've, uh, I think at long last we've managed to get this taken care of. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show, uh, author and raconteur, uh, Mick Wall, who for a long time, of course, with Kerrang! Magazine and then uh, has written W.A.R., biography of Axel Rose. Mick Wall, hello, sir. Hi, Rick. How you doing? Uh, I'm doing very well. Thanks for, uh, we had a little bit of a technical snafu there, so thanks for uh, moving things around for us. I know you're kind of busy these days what, with uh, Chinese nah, democracy. No problem. All the time in the world for you, Rick. Yeah, you see, that's what I'm talking about. Um... That will get you everywhere. Let's let's just jump back uh, to, to Sunday and then work our way forward and then kind of jump back again. You you have written extensively about Axel Rose, Guns and Roses, Chinese democracy over the year and uh, over the years, and then you wrote W A R, which is a great biography of Axel Rose. Did you did you think that Chinese democracy would actually ever really be released? You know, fifty fifty at best was my thought. I, it could have gone either way. I wouldn't have been surprised if it never came out. Now that it's actually here, uh, it, 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 it's uh, I'm as surprised as everybody. Does it, in a way, no matter what the album sounds like, and you know the reviews have been, I think, largely positive, although not overwhelmingly positive. Does it seem like no matter what it was, it would have been a letdown? To be honest with you, Rick, yeah, I do. I think anything that takes 12 years and $13 million had better sound like $100 million by the time you get to hear it. And um, there's inevitably a sense of anticlimax about it because the expectation bar has just been raised so high. So the question is, why, I mean, after all this time, it would be like J.D. Salinger finally deciding, well, screw it, I'm going to write another book. Why, why now? Why did Axel Rose finally say, well, I'm going to put it out now? Well, the truth is, Rick, you know, as with so many things in this world, my understanding is it all comes down to money. Um, this album has been ready to go, by all accounts, since 2001. There are record company executives... Uh, who I won't name, so I don't wish to embarrass them, but uh, have had versions of this album kicking around for years. Uh, no one can tell you why it hasn't come out uh, previously, other than Axel is a control freak, a perfectionist. It's never quite right. My, my understanding be, uh, behind the scenes is that 
at the last minute on this occasion even, he tried to pull the plug and wasn't happy that it was coming out now because as far as he's concerned, it's still not quite finished. But because of the uh, new situation he's in this year, he's got brand new, very heavy, very experienced management, where with everybody from the Eagles to Christine Aguilera, my understanding is that uh, in doing that deal, he ceded a certain amount of power to his organization that allowed them to push the green button and, and get the album out right now. And i tell you what else, Rick, is interesting is, where is Axel right now? You know, why isn't he doing the American Music Awards? Why isn't there a video for one of these tracks on MTV? What's going on? That's a, I hadn't really thought about that, but now that you mention it, it is sort of conspicuous by its absence. He's not doing press. He's not doing publicity. He's not doing, uh, you know, he's not doing uh, telephone interviews or appearances. That that is that, especially with an album that is so much money, so much time. That's unheard of. It's unprecedented. It's got to be. It's totally unprecedented. And what's even more bizarre is you wind the clock back to 2006. Uh, when he insisted at the start of that year that come what may, the album was coming out that year and then backed up that uh, claim by doing a world tour, touring Britain, touring Europe, touring the US, uh, then taking the show on the road to Australia and the Far East. But of course there was no album. Same thing back in 2002, plays Britain, plays Europe, begins a tour of the US that ends in disaster, but was set up because the album was supposed to be released. Now the album is released. Where is he? Uh, no one knows. What do you make of... Uh, Sebastian Bach has, has made a lot of noise recently, but Sebastian Bach claims, he says that Axel says, anyway, that Chinese democracy is, I swear to God, the first part of a three-album... Well, I guess it's redundant, but a trilogy. You know, three albums that are going to come out. And, I mean, is that just... I mean, is there any idea what else is in the works or what what, what next after this? Well, yeah. Um, Sebastian is only really telling us what Axel has been telling him. And as we all know, what Axel says isn't always necessarily what exactly happens. But what is a fact, and what I can tell you, is that at least 72 finished tracks have been recorded. At least three albums' worth of material has been recorded. And my understanding is that a year down the line, maybe two years down the line, depending on how well this album uh, sells and how long the excitement about it lasts, there will be, as it were, a part two, maybe a part three. Um, but, you know, the thing about Axel is you can never really plan ahead a year or two down the line. Here's a guy that doesn't just turn up late for his own shows, um, he once didn't even turn up for his own birthday party. So, you know, what might happen tomorrow, no one really knows, not even Sebastian Bach. Well, you know, and you're talking about a, th a possible three parts of this Chinese democracy thing, which sort of, in a way, flashes back to uh, the early 90s, when there was the three-part video trilogy for uh, Don't Cry November Rain is Strange, which they got progressive, went from great to uh, bombastic and over the top to just flat-out weird. <laughs> Yeah, but then we have to remember that Axel Rose is somebody who came of age uh, as, a, as, a, as a musician and an artist, you know, in the 70s. His absolute all-time favorite artists are ELO, uh, followed closely by Elton John, followed closely by Queen. Here's a guy that grew up with concept albums, grew up with 
uh, artists that took their work to extraordinary lengths. I mean, he told me way back before Use Your Illusion was recorded that if he could, his dream was to get hold of Jeff Lynn of ELO and get him and work with him on some extraordinary extravaganza of music that would just take Guns N' Roses into another realm musically, you know. All this at the same time as you've got Slash in his leather jacket and cowboy boots smoking at Marlboro saying, what, dude? You right. know? Um, we're talking to Mick Wall, author of WAR, Biography of Axel Rose. As we, as we sort of uh, wrap this up here, a quick two questions. One is, um, uh, I, don't, I don't even uh, how to uh, how to ask this except to say that based on what you know, what you hear, is Axel Rose, I mean, is he any happier than he was uh, you know, 15 years ago, 20 years ago? Let me answer that by saying Axel has lived on his own for the last 14 years since he broke up with his fiancée, Stephanie Seymour. He himself has gone on record as saying that most of the songs on the Chinese Democracy album are written about that relationship with Stephanie Seymour. Um, it's 14 years ago, and he's still talking about it and still writing about it. Here's a guy that doesn't get out of bed until 5 p.m. every day, who, who lives at night and sleeps by day. Here's a guy, nearly 50, no significant others in his life, no children, no close friends. Here's a man that apparently has sold his soul for rock and roll. And at the end of it, we have an incredibly interesting album in Chinese Democracy. But do we have a guy that's any happier? Having known all those guys extremely well back in the day, I can't remember Axel ever really smiling or laughing about much. And the scowling, very serious figure we glimpse today, uh, I think, if anything, is, is less happy. Um, okay, and finally, the, the most asked question in the history of everything. Uh, Slash has said that the original band is never going to get back together. Is that your, your read on it uh, from your vantage point? Everybody wants them to get back together. And I can tell you, Rick, that behind the scenes, some very serious discussions have gone on over the last couple of years to try and make that a reality. Even if it wasn't on a permanent basis, even if it was just for one tour or a bunch of shows, a little bit like when Led Zeppelin did their thing in London last Christmas, and every time the stumbling block is this, Duff slash Matt Sorum, Izzy Stradlin, these are very grown-up, together guys, most of whom now have families, uh, are not into the whole sex and drugs thing the way they were 20 years ago. They have their act together. And what they've said is, we'll do it, but the first time Axel shows up at midnight for a show, the first time there's a riot and somebody puts in a half-million-dollar insurance claim, the first time everything just goes totally wrong and falls apart, we will not foot the bill. He must foot the bill. And at that stage, negotiations break down. Will it ever happen? Never say never. Watch this space. One thing about Axel is you just never know what's going to happen next, and this story ain't over yet. All right. Uh, again, Mick Wall, thank you so much uh, for accommodating our kind of shifting schedule today. The book is W.A.R., A Biography of Axel Rose. Uh, best of continued success. Thank you so much. My pleasure. All right, thank you. There you go. Richie, can you talk to uh, Mick Wall there, make sure that everything uh, went? All right, thank you. Wonderful. That guy was cool sounding. Very cool, and plus, um, he uh, he has the distinction of being name-checked personally by Axel Rose 
in this song. We played this song actually like a couple months ago, a song called Get in the Ring, mm-hmm. where Axel in the middle section just... Oh, uh, when he spazzes out? Yeah, when he's just listing off by name, like his enemies list, and Mick Wall is, is the second name out of his mouth. He says, Andy set your hit parader, and he goes, that means you, Mick Wall at Kerrang! <laughs> All right, is that Lisa? All right, well, let's just, uh, let's do what we do, uh, Sarah Axel. Welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show. I say playing her theme music and hoping that that is in fact her. There we go. CNN radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins. Hello. How are you? Hello. How are you? I'm good. How about that uh, Mr. T infomercial? How about that Mr. T infomercial? Did you watch it? Not just once. Are you lying? I am not lying. How genius is it? It is fantastic. Isn't it everything that I described and more? And it's the perfect, like he's exactly dead on. For try, like you can tell, he's kind of trying to act, yeah. but he's so bad, and it's great. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing is, it's not like he's phoning it in. He's even better. He's kind of giving it his all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and just, just can't. That's kind of the great, awful, wonderful thing about it. Well, like he would do stuff like you know, kind of like he'd like pat his belly or his ribs and be like, mm-hmm. "Are my eyes deceiving me?" Yes. Yeah. <laughs> let's and let's let's also not forget the Donna. I pity the fool. Try to eat a frozen steak or whatever. <laughs> And did you note that they, in fact, made him say George Papard's catchphrase, too? Yes. Uh, the, I love it when it plan comes together. You know, because George I think he was looking right at the camera when he said that, uh, too. I can't remember. Yeah. Sarah's favorite moment is uh, when he kicks in the door that, as Tim noted, is not on hinges of any kind. It's just standing there. <laughs> but even pushing down a freestanding door, he nearly falls on his ass when he comes to the door, which is just great. The stumble is so sad. Yeah. <laughs> With a little ba dum Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, I'm so glad you watched it. So. I... I... I'm glad that you made me. I knew uh, I knew you'd enjoy it. I have to say I'm kind of fascinated by Darla. Uh, well, first of all, who is she? She's a you know television star, Darla. I don't know who she is. Do you know who she is? I had to actually look her up, Darla Hahn. Mm-hmm. Previously, I think she had another name like Darla Slaver or some other name as an actress. And no, she's had all these like little parts on all kinds of. I think she might have had. Um, like she was on Silk Stockings. Yeah. Episode. She was a stewardess on uh, Party of Five, I think. You know, everybody's been on Silk Stockings at one point. Right, right. So. Yeah, very. But she's still going. I mean, I think they actually had um, an in production for her. I I think that people go on IMDb though, and they lie about that, you know. And they let like 19 films, all of them in production right now, <laughs> you know, just to make it look really, really busy, you know. So. But the, but the infomercial wasn't on there. The Flavor Wave was not on her IMDb. Don't you think there ought to be like a separate yeah. IMDb simply for like bad, embarrassing sort of side projects? One thousand percent. You know, like infomercials or maybe gay porn. Like if you do that, it has to be logged somewhere. Like it's got to there's got to be a reference. It so. should be, even if it was under a different name. That's fine. That's what I'm talking about right there. Yeah. yeah. Um. All right. Well, let's see. Uh, as we're heading into Thanksgiving, I note that you've actually used the phrase Groundhog Day here. Hey, um, that's right. It feels like the movie, apparently Groundhog. Day, but with profound implications for the country. Hey, here's the weird thing. Is this sort of unprecedented, the way that Barack Obama sort of seems to be acting like the president already? Well, you know, he's walking a fine line here. He, he isn't, you know, making decisions that are going to, he's not making the decisions yet, but he's putting everybody in place to make the decisions. You know, I think, though, it is, um, I don't want to say unprecedented um, in the entirety of American history, but but certainly in modern politics. We haven't seen anyone come into office as quickly, name such big staff members so quickly as, as he has. I think uh, Clinton and both former President, Bush, former President Bush and current President Bush really didn't name their cabinet until December. Because there hasn't really been, I mean, there's always been problems, but I mean, uh, usually there isn't. It's equal parts about fixing the country and also m- making it 
What did somebody say? It is the appearance of good, not just doing good. So he's got to make sure that it not only is he doing stuff, it's got to look like he's doing stuff. Yeah, right. That's that's right. Yeah. Um. So all right. Well. Uh, anyway. Uh. Let's see. I had something else to ask you about Barack Obama. But you know what? Honestly, it just is. Honestly, I, I, it's not that I'm a dumb guy as such, but there's just every day there are more sort of ruminations. Well, first of all, is, sec- is Hillary Clinton Secretary of State or not? I don't even know. Well, it's not official, but it it it's looking that way. I mean, what what does that mean? She's on track. What does that mean when they say right. on track to become? Uh, you know, on track is 2008 lingo for way forward. It really it means it means nothing. It it's like sort of an in the pipeline. Yeah, I have no idea. It's just the, it's just the fra- the phrase of the day. Uh, yeah, I think I think what it means is uh, chances are looking good, but uh, it you know who knows. Does that mean like assuming that nothing uh, comes up and bites yeah. us uh, in the hindquarters on this? That's exactly what it means. And you know we were told just yesterday by um, someone I don't know who I think it was uh, Suzanne Malveaux that got this this uh, call that someone close to Clinton was saying that just in the last couple of days, she still has been phoning people and saying, all right, what are the pros and cons of this? You know, I'm worried about losing my independent voice and all of this stuff. So she, she's still, you know, kind of asking around and putting together the, the plus and the minus. You know, I think that I don't think like a full uh, larynx removal would would stop Hillary Clinton from using her independent voice. Yes. I think Hillary Clinton could right. probably use her independent with no head. So, I mean, that's just a, that's just a theory. I, you know, my, you know, my phrase, and I think I just said it a few minutes ago, I, I actually here at CBS, I'll sometimes tell people that things are in the pipeline. And that means nothing. Right, right. It means I'm trying to do it. might not happen. May, maybe it'll happen. I don't know. But it makes me look proactive. No, no, no. Uh, that's uh, that's in the pipeline right now. I'll keep you in the loop. Yeah, right. we'll be on the same page. Well, and on track, I feel like it's one. We could, do, we could do the continuum here. I think on track is a little bit higher up uh, on the continuum than in the pipeline. And then, then the next one would be like imminent or, um, you know. Yeah. And then before that is sort of like in the planning stages. Yeah, there could be very likely, yes, yeah. We've taken initial steps forward to explore the possibility of yeah, blah, blah, right, blah. Right, right, right. All right. Uh, hey, so uh, this is my, I know you're probably really busy today. <laughs> no, just do, doing some Thanksgiving and post-Thanksgiving stories. All right. Um, are, you, are they making you do some story about uh, idiots that are shopping? No. All right. Because, no. I mean, I know you're above that kind of thing because you're the political, but I didn't know if because of the economy, right. if they were like, you know, like, let's be honest, you're doing something with a tree the other day. So I didn't know if, like, because I of the economy, they're going to have you talking to idiots at a Walmart I somewhere. I feel like that, you know, it's, it's good. That that story will always make me humble. If yeah. ever I think that I'm this, you know, hey, I cover Capitol Hill. No, I'm just saying. I mean, I know to a I certain... Mean, it's true, though. They try to make things relatable. So they're like, no, 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 we want you to go talk to shoppers this year. But um, Wait, no, uh, Jim Roop is the man on that. I think Jim Roop has to do it, and I think um, Ed McCarthy's got to do it. Oh, Ed McCarthy gets a lot of the stories there. But, you know, the thing is, he really makes them sing, though. Like, I think today he's doing the obligatory, like, holiday travel thing. They make, right, exactly. At me, it's just, it's bad. And, like, Roop has always got a standard LAX and talk to some moron uh, who has brought in, like, 15 different bags that he's trying to duct tape into one <laughs> carry-on item. Right. Uh, and it's great for Roop, though, because... Because he just has such an unbridled and unhidden loathing for all humanity, and it's it's you can tell that he loves it and hates it for the same reason because it just because it lets him know that he is right to hate almost everybody. <laughs> you know, so he and I are kindred spirits in that regard. You know, there's something nice about having one's uh, you know just disdain for all of humanity kind of confirmed it's out there. Um, yes. No, I don't. I'm doing uh, for Friday a story that probably no one will run. Um, bailout 101. I mean, oh, we'll see. Now I have to run it. But there, well, there you go. A bunch of pieces on uh, on the bailout. They're going to be, you know, very short, ridiculous, uh, ridiculously short summaries of this incredibly complicated thing. So it's not like a long form piece. No, it's thirty five oh. second pieces. Uh, well, I'll I'll run them just because Rick Emerson cares. Oh, we'll see. Uh, 
I'm not doing this for tomorrow, but in my research, did you know that tomorrow um, is actually National Bavarian Cream Pie Day? I did not know that. I just think that's interesting. Don't you feel sorry though? Like, why would they even pick that day? That's just stupid. That's like uh, you're gonna. That's like having right. your birthday on Christmas. You're gonna get overshadowed. Right. I think. Well, you know what it is? Is it's, it's November 27th, so they get it. You know what? Once every seven years, or however, however it works out. Uh, so it just it just happens this year that they 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 had the bad the bad draw again. You know, maybe you can work on this for next year. You know, there's that whole. Uh, kerfuffle or something like that in California with these where they're sending the you know there's some school where they've been sending the kids to the school like as as uh, pilgrims and Indians or whatever and right I haven't seen, I've heard I just saw the tease for that story I didn't see the whole story yeah well it's like you know some school where it's like hey kids uh, it's Thanksgiving week so come to school as either an Indian or a pilgrim and as we were noting yesterday there's really no good there's no good choice there because it's like you can either come as a completely sanitized disnified totally false representation Right. Of of that meeting where everybody is friends and no one ever lied to anybody else about a land grab, or you can come to school like you know like you know covered in smallpox, uh, you know, and where like one of the uh, female Indians has to give everybody syphilis, and then uh, then there's a handful of beads and a lot of shooting, and so there's just no you know like there's no good way to do it. And do you come like as a fake ridiculous Indian, or do you come as the man? See, that's, that's my other thing. So really, you know what would be interesting as a sidebar though is like what. And maybe this sounds too kooky, but like, really, what, what if kids came to school, like, you know, and, and depicted it the way it actually was? First right. of all, I don't actual even, pilgrim kids. Well, that's first of all, I don't even know what the thing did. I mean, was was there? Did it actually even really happen? Was there some Thanksgiving dinner between uh, like the man and Indians? Like, did that even really happen? Yeah, apparently there was. I, you know, I there there is a whole historical debate, but it, it seems to me, just from what I've read, and I'm no expert on this, that there was some sort of uh, corn swap of some of some sort. Really? There, yeah. It seems. It seems is that where everybody has to put their keys in a fishbowl? There was some sort of right, some sort of swaparoo. We don't know, uh, you know, how extensive it is. I, I'm sure maybe one of your listeners knows. I, I don't know. I don't no, know the exact right. details there. They know everything, but it kind of freaks me out sometimes. Right. All right. Put it out there. Finally, as we wrap this up today, uh, I will say now you're going to hear about this probably from more than one person. So I'm just going to tell you, it'll be spoiler free. But boy. For the love of God Almighty, uh, the Shield series finale last night. Really? Uh, I, I and I and some bear with me. I, I already read some of these earlier. I'm just going to give you email headlines. I mean, some of these. Um, uh, Rick, uh, did you sleep last night? How about this? I won't be able to sleep for weeks. Uh, Sean Ryan is a genius and a heartless bastard. Uh, Sean Ryan has no soul. Um, uh, let's see. Um, the legitimate, profound ending. How about this? Um, Sean Ryan is an evil bastard. Uh, you know, I will need days to get over what I saw last night. Whoa. I'll tell you this, and it wasn't cheap. It wasn't cheap or tawdry. It wasn't some pulpy, gratuitous ending. It is an ending, I don't want to oversell it, but I'll say that no one I talked to, no one predicted last night's ending or saw it coming, but having seen last night's S.H.I.E.L.D. finale, there is no way it could have ended differently. When you think about it, it is the only way it could have ended. Wow. Totally unexpected, wow. but perfect. So I'm just hey. saying, you got to buckle down and finish that because it's it really is some great American so, television. I don't I don't think I've even maybe I've seen two episodes this whole season. I'm yeah, behind. you got to sit and watch, and don't try to just like cheat it. You got to watch it all the way through. The, I'll tell you. This. I mean, is there is there going to be a marathon? Can I? I mean, at this point, probably. I mean, and then the DVD will be out soon. I will tell you, this final season it takes a while to get going. The first five or six episodes are kind of lame, but. It, but are they, it, but it, they are because it all makes sense in the end. You realize later on why the first five or six episodes, even though they don't seem that interesting, why they're necessary. All right. But I got to tell you, they finish. 
It's one of the best series finales I've ever seen in my life. I mean, it was... Here with The Wire. It, just, it sounds like it's totally different. I, it's different. I mean, The Wire had a great, satisfying ending. The Shield finale is different. I will tell you, though, I'm like all these guys. I couldn't sleep last night. I kept... Oh. I kept running through scenes from last night's uh, episode in my mind. It was, uh, it would actually, it caused, I slept probably two, three hours because of that. It was directly attributable to the shield. Wow. So you got to watch it. Okay, okay. All right. Have a happy Thanksgiving, you and Jason okay, both. We'll talk to you next week. Okay. All right. Oh, is that a question? I'm sorry. What? We were talking over, what? 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 Look over there. Happy Thanksgiving. Bye. All right, there you go. That's Lisa Desjardins. Smooth ending, Rick. Yeah, that's what I do. Hi, Tim. How are you? Are you uh, prepared with news for us? More than enough. Fantastic. Let's take a break. Still to come today, uh, Tony Bennett. Let's see. What else? Uh, Aaron Duran will join us. Top five. Jim Roop. Uh, let's see. Maybe somebody else. Ed McCartney. No, Bob Costantini. Guess what he's talking about today? Hi. No. Pardoning a turkey, Tim. Oh. I'm sure he's happy to do that. That's called being low man on the totem pole. Yeah. <laughs> All right, back after this, the Rick Emerson Show. Tim Riley next. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. And so forth. Here's one, Rick. I had my Thursday and Friday scheduled to do major cleaning and rearranging of my apartment while listening to your show. Now what am I supposed to do? I can't go home for the holidays. My Canadian family doesn't celebrate Thanksgiving. And I don't want to hang out with my mouth-breathing relatives in Indiana. Yes, you have ruined my holiday. Well, but don't worry. Don't be, don't fear. We have a best of plan for you for your hearing enjoyment. How about this one? Yes, I hate you. I'll be working tomorrow. So should you. Oh, who used to sit and tell us he worked holidays because he cared about the people? F you. Happy holidays. All right. Thanks so much. All right. There you go. Truth be told, Rick wanted to work. Yeah. I'm just saying. No, no, no. I'm not. I'm not saying it to generate sympathy. I'm just saying. Oh, no, I'm not sympathetic. I'm looking forward to sleeping tomorrow. <laughs> Screw them! <laughs> but I think I'm, I'm going to be cleaning my apartment and stuff before I head to Bremerton, so I think I'll be listening to the best of show as well. well. And that's to be fair, actually, Richie has put together some really good best of. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, everybody... And he's worked really hard on it, on the timing and everything. Well, but... and, you know, the thing is, everybody's going to be gone. I mean, it's not like we can't be entertaining on our own, except I know that Tim had plans. Yes. Aaron, you know, all those guys, they're all at the coast. You know, they're all going to be out of town doing their thing. Because usually, like, this isn't a typical Thanksgiving because our big Thanksgiving shows are having a lot of people in here. And yes. there, there wouldn't be anybody except for you, me, and Adam. Right. It would just be us sitting in the studio going like, so, anyway, turkey. You know, I mean, we would be doing nothing. So, Richie has put together some uh, some great best stuff. So, that'll be Thursday and Friday, and we're back on Monday. Anyway, we're live today, though. That's what counts. Ladies and gentlemen, at the Ministry of Truth, Tim Riley. It's time for the Rick Emerson Show's new news hour, only on AM 970, The Talker. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Unemployment in Oregon has gotten so bad that the state employment department has put more people on the jobs to process claims. They've added 43 people to handle the crushing phone calls that they're getting. The unemployment rate in the state was 7.3% in October, an increase of almost 1% over the national average. Uh, the department's toll-free claims line is getting an average of 4,000 calls a day, and some callers can't get through. So they've actually had to hire more people because so few people have jobs. Mm-hmm. 
That's a little bit of a weird thing there. So the number, in case you're looking for it, and I because I know you're sitting there with, with a pencil and paper, is 877-1781. Here's a question I have, Tim. This is uh, apropos of nothing. Well, mm-hmm. first of all, we've all been on unemployment, correct? Oh, numerous occasions. Yeah, it's wonderful. I haven't. You've never taken unemployment? Mm-mm. Oh, that's right. She was working for that television station. Oh, that's station. right. That's mm-hmm. right. That's right. You uh, you remained employed for you know to some degree anyway. You were doing the TV thing. Yeah, and the, oh, yeah, I did the TV thing, and then it kind of overlapped with the show coming back on. Remember that's when I was right. doing both of these those jobs at the same time? Yeah, that sucked. That sucked. Yes. You were kind of an unhappy person. Yes. No, it does. Uh... No, I was grumpy. Well, that was just an unhappy period in my mm. life. Well, we've all had a lot of reasons. Yeah. Mm. Well, no, I mean, you were. I mean, and I'm not the. Yeah, I'm not calling you. I mean, yeah, you were unhappy because you know for for a lot of reasons. It was. It was, it was coin. Yeah, it was. I mean. And I had to be up at like 4 a.m. every day, and, and then work till yeah three. Was was that when we were working till three? I don't know. I don't remember. It's I don't remember blur. either. And I know that some people will say, like, well, little Miss Fancy Pants, I'm sure it would suck to have a TV show and a radio show. If it is, and I'm not, I understand that we have, you know, relatively speaking, pretty cushy jobs. I understand yeah. that. Mm-hmm. But as Max Cady says in Cape Fear, you know, every man carries a circle of hell around his head. So it, if something, I mean, if something sucks for you, it sucks. I mean, that's the deal, right? I mean, like, it, you're the only one in your own head. You're the, hopefully, you're the, I mean, you're the one who has to live your own life. So if something is unpleasant for you, it's unpleasant. Doesn't care if anybody else, you know, it doesn't matter if somebody else thinks it's fine. If it's unpleasant for you, then it's just unpleasant, period. Mm. So, which is not unlike, you know, like I, uh, you know, and I've, I've more or less moved past it. But, I mean, I had that horrible, like, syndicated show that I did, which was just sucked, was just awful. <laughs> Pardon me. <laughs> and then it was replaced with something even worse. Well, we won't discuss that. <laughs> for a moment. Before you came. <laughs> for the blink of an eye, it was, Tim. Um... But, you know, but I would just get up and I would go to the work, uh, go to the work, go to the studio to do that awful syndicated show. And I would just sort of just ever, oh, I hate my life. And just sitting in the shower every morning, just go like, oh, I don't want to go to work. God, my job sucks. And it's, I mean, and it, I guess it doesn't work. It, it doesn't really work to say that it sucked in the same way that like laying hot tar or mm-hmm. something sucked. Mm-hmm. But I mean, working in the entertainment industry is just so, um, it has so many negatives to it, so many disadvantages to it. You know, and it's hard on your personal life. We're all and, crazy. I mean, yeah, you're working with a bunch of loons. Uh, you know, the hours can be terrible. You go through long periods of uh, unemployment, or maybe not making very much money. So, but you know, so the entertainment industry certainly does have its. It's like that song "Beth" by Kiss. It's exactly like that song, Tim. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, the entertainment industry has so many challenges and, and negatives to it that at least you would think the positive, like the one saving grace in working in, in some something like the entertainment industry is that you always enjoy your job, right? Yeah. Like, no matter how much is bad about your job sometimes, you know, it doesn't matter, you know, all of the sort of the sort of crap that comes that goes along with working in entertainment. At least when the alarm goes off you go, Hurrah I get to go back to work. It's a fine job. I and thank God it's Monday. And so when when you don't have that, all you're left with is just the crap parts. That's the thing. So that is the when when we will sometimes talk about Working in radio or entertainment at all. It, then it opens up the floodgates for the sleazy people looking for free stuff. Absolutely. And they said, that's only while you're employed, though. Yeah. Unemployed, never hear from them. I still remember. There are people who I'm friends with now who um, <laughs> who lost my phone number after the show went off. Oh, air. no, dude. And, now, and then when we were back on the air, all of a sudden, poof, they're back in my life. Oh, I'm I like, got... I'm like, believe you me, like I might not act like I know, but I know. I, I remember you oh, not me calling too. me. I, I have know. a longer memory than anyone. <laughs> no, I goes back some three decades. And, you know what? And, and and you, I think we're all on the same page. You look at my boy. We sound bitter all of a sudden. But <laughs> no, you look at my. If you look at my cell phone, you look at all my numbers. Uh, in my head, they are divided up into two main categories. 
Those who continued to call me and stay in touch with me while I was unemployed, those who, as Sarah said, somehow lost my number when I didn't have a radio show or a TV show or whatever. Yep. And, and again, and I treat them all equally now, but I remember. I know who's who. I know who's in what category, and I know who's we in what category. <laughs> but it's true. It's so, true. Like, I, I might smile at you, but I remember. Right. And, I, and I know that we can also sound a little schizophrenic sometimes in that we will sometimes go like, we have the best jobs ever. These jobs rule. And then sometimes we're like, radio sucks. Radio blows. They are both kind of true. There's bad and good things about working in, in entertainment, in any kind of entertainment industry. But again, the, the overwhelming saving grace is typically that you like going to work. That, you know, is, as she says in Office Space, you know, Peter, most people don't like their jobs. And we're very blessed, very fortunate. Mm -hmm. In this time of Thanksgiving, uh, we're blessed that we have jobs that we like. Mm -hmm. Well, that's because we had so, so many terrible jobs, and we didn't really know what was going on because we were doing the wrong thing before that. Well, and... And that's that's the thing is you kind of go through all that learning process. But if but if even you know if even the I like my job aspect is uh, you know is taken away from you, then you're just left with garbage. Yeah. And that's the kind of the place Sarah was in. I think it was in a while. because when I first started that job, it was a completely different cast of people. I worked with this uh, guy Mark and this girl Katie, and Mark right. did Mark Ronchetti. We had him on the show. Oh, the Ronk. The Ronk. He did the weather, and then Katie was uh, the co was one of the co-hosts, and they were amazing and hilarious and so fun to work with. And then corporate came in, and they started shifting things around. As and they, they always do. Carpet baggers. That's right. As they do, and they brought in this really creepy dude, and he was there, and there was, like, no chemistry. And that's when I started dreading it. And I'm just right. like, this is not fun anymore. And then I have all these bitchy women writing me every day about how ugly my clothes are. Look at your brown hair. Seriously. Or, like, your makeup sucks. And it just wasn't good for the self-esteem. And, that, and it, it's just not fun. And that was my thing, too. It's like, I would just, I would, I would get up. And I would somebody told me one time, if you stay in the shower for a long time, so you don't want to go to work, time to get a new job. Mm. And I would stay in the shower every morning because I was just trying to delay going to the studio. Because you think like, yeah, because you're thinking like, well, I, I just, uh, you know, well, I, uh, well, my job is uh, unstable. I could be fired at any moment. It's nerve wracking. I work with a bunch of jerks. Uh, my boss, this is years ago. My boss is a jackass. Uh, you know, everybody around me is terrible. Hey, but at least I hate being here. So, I mean, it was just a whole pile of bad. Mm -hmm. And that is what makes, and I, and I say this sincerely because we are heading to Thanksgiving. I say this with absolute sincerity uh, now, uh, that that is what makes now uh, really just especially great. Because we went through, I think all of us have gone through long periods of time where you're like, God damn, I hate this job. So I remember you nailed it with the shower thing. I remember seeing, being in my shower at three thirty in the morning. Just yeah. Like, God, kill me. And just like looking at it, like, oh god, maybe I'll just fall down the drain. Like, not another day with a sport op. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh boy. All right. Well, in any but event, anyway, here's... we're we're thankful for what we have now. Oh, but so periods of unemployment. And here's yeah. the thing, because there are people every day now. Not a single day goes by that I don't get an email from somebody who's like, hey, uh, so I'll be listening a lot more now. Because I've been fired. So mm -hmm. every single day. And their names I recognize. People have been listening for a long time. Uh, people who are, you know, they identify themselves as like, hey, I've been out there, you know, listening for, for six months or for even, you know, for, for six weeks or for six years. And they've been, uh, they've been downsized. So, it, it, but the last time I went to the unemployment office, first of all, when you sit in the unemployment office, it's a uniquely, it, it's, a, it's a weird set of feelings. Because on the one hand, you're like, hey, I'm about to get free money. On the other hand, you're like, well, that's because I'm unemployed. On the third hand, you say, by God, this is easy. All I have to do is dial this phone number once a week, and they send me a check. This is what it's like to be rich. Uh, but then on the, on the fourth or fifth or whatever hand we are now, on the, on the last hand, you say to yourself, God damn, look at these idiots I'm in this room with. This is who they think I am. I'm surrounded by a bunch of morons. 
Because a lot of the times the people at the unemployment office are just like a bunch of slack-jawed nitwits. I mean, literally, the first time I went to collect unemployment, or to, 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 to sign up for it anyway, because I think you can do it all over the Internet now, but when I went to sign up for unemployment, literally guy in his bathrobe, sitting there in a room, guy couldn't even be bothered to put on pants. To come to the, and I would think that they would have some sort of a rule. Like they'd have some, yeah, they'd have some woman at the front door named Madge and say, look, we're going to give you free money. Put on pants for the love of Christ. And I'm sitting there with some guy who looks like the big Lebowski, uh, you know, who stinks, by the way. Uh, and, you know, and, and then that's the moment when you kind of feel bad about yourself. You're like, these are my peers. Mm. <laughs> these are my colleagues now. Colleagues in shame. Jesus. All right, here's Tim Riley. Just to make matters worse, McDonald's cuts the cheese and ups the price. McDonald's is upping the price of its double cheeseburgers from a dollar to a whopping $1.19. And they're cutting the cheese down to one slice per burger. Isn't that what they have now? I believe it's two. This is what? Wait, is this the regular? What, what double burger? cheeseburger. No, the double cheese. There are two slices of cheese, apparently. Wait, hold on. But it can't. But that's just. But that's just. Uh, that's not inaccurate. Well, no, not even that it's un-American. Let me understand this. McDonald's, I do believe one of our fine sponsors, they are. Are they keeping the price the same? No. They're hiking it to $1.19. It's 99 cents. But now. they're removing a slice of cheese. Mm-hmm. How can it be a double cheeseburger then? Mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't work linguistically either way. First, because A, there's no double cheese. And you could say, well, no, 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 but it's a double, it's a double burger. But it is, in fact, a double cheeseburger. So if there's only one slice of cheese... That's just inaccurate. That's misusing the English language. Sony must be calling a lawyer right now. I'm just. Uh, I'm not suggesting that that happened. I'm just saying America is a litigious society. I'm. I, I just wanted that. Just, that's just a violation of our uh, of our rules of language. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, whatever. When is that happening? Next month. All right, which well, begins next Tuesday. Here's the thing. I it just will be in December. As long as it doesn't affect the filet fish I mean, because that's really the thing I still is have a really weakness fish? for. It, it is. It's a, it, it is fish, Tim. And you know, I, I, and I how eat do they it. make it square? Here's the, uh, well, because they, they do a thing. They, well, how do they make fish sticks square? How do they make fish don't come in sticks? Well, that's true, too. world isn't one big Charlie and Lola episode, Tim. Um, I mean, I don't eat these things. That's why I'm asking. All right. Well, uh, oh, that's right. You don't. You're, you're one of them. I'm one of them. You're not just like a kind of a vegetarian. You're a full-on uh, yeah. vegan who doesn't eat. You don't eat seafood either. No. Because, you know, some vegetarians, and I have to say that I actually respect vegetarians who don't eat seafood. Why, thank it, you. Well, because that's, because then it seems like that's they're, they're just trying to get cool points with that. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm a vegetarian. I mean, I eat seafood. But I'm a vegetarian. Well, you're not a vegetarian. If you eat meat of any kind and fish is a meat, you're not a vegetarian. You're lying. Uh, and then it seems like you're losing both camps there. Because you're not a true vegetarian, but you're calling yourself one, so carnivores dislike you just instinctively. So it seems like if you're going to be a vegetarian, or you know, much less a vegan, you got to not be eating seafood like of any kind ever at all. That being said, the fillet of fish is fantastic. Amen to that. I think it's a Catholic thing too. It really is. No, because uh, my mom would let us have those every Friday. Growing up, uh, even after Vatican II, we did not eat uh, meat on Fridays. Ever. I was talking to Susan Reynolds about this because Susan, of course, was brought up in the Jewish faith and. She's, in fact, as we speak right now, she's back in Chicago eating, I would imagine, just like one latke after another. I mean, just like, just just, just, just plates and plates and plates of matzah and just guilt. Um, because, you know, and, and her mother, you know, they hew very much for the kosher. Uh, you know, so, you know, the, you know, meat and dairy cannot be in the same plate and so forth. Um, and and she described how just, you know, at her first, and this is, you know, I'm not speaking at a turn. She's talking about this. At her first opportunity, when she became an emancipated youth, uh, at the age of 18, she's like, give me a cheeseburger. I mean, she was like right out of the, hope she's not listening in Chicago. 
Uh, sorry, Mother Reynolds, if you're listening. But, I mean, in her first chance, she was like, with extra bacon. Like, she wanted to, you know, to drink deep from the cup of pork. Mm-hmm. That sounds awful. Uh, but you know what I mean. Um, but And I was telling her, you know, we, uh, the Catholics don't really have any equivalent to that except for the no meat on Fridays thing, which was that was every Friday growing up. And then in Lent, my parents were like, during Lent, you, we couldn't have meat at all. I mean, it like 40 days of meatlessness, which is just no way to live your life. Life is too short to not have meat if that's what you're inclined to consume. Mm-hmm. But every Friday, man, we would have to go to one of two places. Because sometimes my mom would make seafood, but very rarely. I got the feeling it was kind of expensive. Um, and, you know, my parents were, you know, sometimes unemployed, and so we didn't have a lot of money. So we would, I got the, I get the feeling seafood was more than we could afford. So we would have fish sticks occasionally at home, which I still love to this day. God I help love me. fish sticks, too. God. Those were our special lunch food as well. May, may God's special tears cleanse me. Uh, I, I love fish sticks. God, we grew up in trashy families. Seriously. But on Friday, we would go to one of two places, McDonald's, to get the filet fish which, again, I still love. Man, I'm going to have one of those today. F it. My wife's still out of town. I'm going to McDonald's. I'm having three filet fishes. You're a sinner. I, I am, without Tim. cheese. I like them with, better without cheese. I better in that tartar sauce stuff. Cheese, oh. no cheese. You know, fresh, reheated, doesn't matter. Who decided that fish tastes good with tartar sauce? Yeah, I like. Well, first a of all, genius. well, what is tartar? Is it mayonnaise and relish? What's it made? It's mayonnaise, of? mustard, and relish. Mustard is in that. Yeah, a little bit of relish. Who decided to put the three together? I don't know. Well, it's like beer. Who? How did beer even come up? Mean, oh, a puddle of fermenting yeast. Drink it. Um... So, filet of fish, we would either go to McDonald's or where was the other place you went if you were a trashy Catholic, Sarah? Well, we always went to just, I don't know, like trashy diners. I don't know. You didn't have a trashy... Come on now. Wendy's? No, you were a hick Catholic. You would either go to McDonald's or what was the other trashy place where Catholics would eat on a Friday? We just always stuck with McDonald's. This isn't a generational thing either. I wonder if it's a regional thing. Maybe they did not have this restaurant uh, in Bremerton. You didn't go to Skipper's? Come on. No, we, well, we had a Skipper's, but... Is that the place with the anchors falling over? Yeah, no, it's the huge anchor out front of the parking lot. Uh, I knew a guy who worked at a Skipper's. Once. Oh, dude, uh, Skipper's is... I mean, it's just... It, 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 that is a place that solely gets by, I would imagine, on the business of Catholics. I mean, that 80% of Skipper's business has got to come from people in the Catholic faith. And, of course, growing up in a really tiny town, you go to a Skipper's on a Friday night, and, the, first of all, on Fridays, there was a line, like, through the parking lot. I mean, it was like a line to get Springsteen tickets. It was just endless. And you would wait, like, 40 minutes to get in there. And meanwhile, you go, Mom, tell me again why Jesus hates beef. Shut up. You know, you just wait your turn. You get in there, and the embarrassing great thing about Skipper's is you were guaranteed to be flanked on either side by schoolmates, or, in fact, your teachers, because I went to a Catholic school. And you would get that weird disconnect where you would see nuns, but, like, dressed in their regular clothes, like not in their nunwear. And so you'd sit there, and it was always some nun that you hated. It was always some, like, it was always just like some, I was about to see, even now I can't say what I want to say, because Catholic guilt would, would get at me. But it was always just some horrible nun who'd spend her days just making your life a living, breathing hell, crushing out every spark of individuality, and then you go there and there, it's like you and your mom and your dad and your brother sitting next to, like, Sister Mary, uh, you know, Svengali, who's there. And you have to make awkward small talk with her. And then you have to see her eat, which is weird because she's a teacher and a nun, no less, in, like, normal, like, something from the seat, like, the softer set of Sears, you know. And then, like, putting food into her big nun mouth, grinding it up like a Terminator. Into her big nun mouth. Because you don't think teachers eat, especially a nun. 
You don't see a nun just sitting like shoveling fries into her gullet. Yeah, we'll be out with my mom sometimes, and she'll bump into a student, and it's always weird for her to see students out, you know, totally. and them seeing her eating. They, it's kind of a weird. And then like, Johnny's a paste eater. So anyway, so Skippers is where we would eat. Skippers does not hold up in retrospect. McDonald's is still good. Skippers, not so much. All right, here's Tim Riley. Police have recovered a stolen 18-karat gold bookmark that belonged to Adolf Hitler. This happened in Bellevue. How do they know that it belonged to Adolf Hitler? I don't know. Apparently, they, they've been tailing this bookmark for quite some time. Christian Pompensu, a Roman, Romanian national, Pompensu. has been arrested outside the Bellevue Starbucks. By the way, how 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 Wait, totally what? how totally fitting, by the way, that the phrase or the word Pompensu came after the word Christian. So the so the golden bookmark that belongs belongs to Hitler was found in Washington State. That's correct. At a Bellevue Starbucks. Oh outside God, of Bellevue Starbucks. Fabricated. This is a fake that story. Is so this Romanian national named Christian Pompidou. Whatever his name was. I thought it was Pumpensu. You're right. All I right. pronounced it wrongly. Okay. He had arranged a clandestine meeting to negotiate the sale of Adolf Hitler's bookmark, which was stolen before it was to be auctioned off in Spain six years ago. So Eva Braun, Hitler's mistress, gave him the bookmark in 1943. It is inscribed with the words, My Adolf, don't worry, and tells him a recent defeat was, quote, only an inconvenience that will not break your certainty of victory, unquote. He wanted $100,000 for Hitler's bookmark, and they have a picture of it. So, that's right. got to be a one-of-a-kind item. Why, did it ha why is it in Washington, though? Why is it at Starbucks? How did it get there? That's where the deal was supposed to take place. Oh, so I see. I met him there. Oh, all right, okay. Who would suspect Adolf Hitler's bookmark to be sold at a Starbucks? How do they know it's real? They do. They've been tracing it for a long time. Just, I mean, so it's a, it's been one of those things in circulation. Yeah. It's like that weird Nazi plate in American Beauty. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, okay, so there you go. It's like that guy in Mash. Very his, valuable. Hitler's pencil box. His kind eyes. <laughs> you know, he was a vegetarian, Tim. Oh, that's true. Isn't Hi, it? you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Family meeting. Oh, uh, don't ever say that, you bastard. Uh, that was, uh, you're the only person I know that can even talk about the shield. It was wonderful in the worst way possible. Family meeting. Uh, so there's this guy, Shane Vendrell, this cop. And by the way, we're talking about the shield. So, you know, spoil, 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 lol. Um... Uh, so he's on the run with his wife and his kid, and the last words you hear him say, they're like in the other room, and she's reading the kid a story, and he's like, hey, everybody, family meeting. And then the next thing you know, hey, they're all dead. So, uh, you know, and that's, that's creepy. So the, yeah, so that was the last time you saw them all alive is when he said family meeting to call them all in. So, Jesus. How did you, I mean, he's in the store. And I'm sorry, Tim, these shield things are going to filter in throughout the day. I well, that's okay. It's a holiday program. I'll sit back and enjoy it. Uh, when he's in the store at the convenience store and he goes, hey, I'll take, you know, do you have any roses? And he's buying these other flowers. And then he says, I'll take some pens. I thought he was going to hit on the girl or whatever. But, you know, then he ends up giving her, like, it's $17 and he gives her, like, all the money in his pockets. And still at that point, I still didn't see it coming. Yeah, that's supposed to be, like, a big tell. Giving away uh, possessions. Mm -hmm. I, he's like, here you go, $100. Have some fun. And I still didn't see it coming. Did you see it coming? Uh, I did not. I thought he was just being uh, lecherous like, you know, usual. Right, and, yeah, because uh, Shane was that guy, oh, yeah. Very creepy. It was so, it was so friggin' good. It's it's just hard to believe. And, you know, even, people may not like this, and they may think it's a bad ending, but all those amazing close-ups of Chickless's face. Oh, God, yeah. You're just, were you waiting for him? Were you, were you? Hoping that you might see a tear. Is that what you thought you might see? Maybe one tear? You didn't see Jack. That's the Nothing. thing. And, and that's, you know, and I will say, it's not like The Sopranos. I think this is a great resolution. And I will tell you, that's a great moment that Sean Ryan did very carefully, the show creator, because 
you know, Vic Mackey, I mean, just a brief assessment. Wife, kids, alienated, hate him, he'll never see them again. Lem, dead. Um, Shane, dead. Shane's family, dead. Ronnie, and we'll talk more about that. Ronnie going to prison. Vic can never be a cop again. Chained to a horrible desk job. Uh, everybody knows that he killed another cop. His, re his reputation is destroyed forever. Everyone knows he is a cop killer. And... At the end, they do this long close-up on him sitting in a cubicle of his eyes, these red-rimmed eyes of his, and you wait for him to cry, which is what a lesser show would have done, a more predictable show would have had him, like, finally at that moment, he just lets go, and he never does. And as somebody said, I think Seamus sent this to me this morning, said, because you realize at the end, this is the horrible thing about us, and about, I mean you and me, sir, and everybody else, is that for seven years, we have been rooting for a guy who we now are forced to admit is just evil. He's just bad. That's why he didn't cry at the end. Because at the end, Vic Mackey only cares about Vic Mackey. Not his wife, not his kids, not his colleagues. He is, in fact, not just morally ambiguous. He is evil. And we've been rooting for an evil guy for seven years. Yeah, he finally... Uh, yeah, I mean, I will say one thing that he that he didn't really get is, is he was not able, at some point in the very last show... He was no longer able to exert his influence on anyone. Right. The only thing that he really got as any kind of a payback is he tried to, you, you see him start to yell at that woman, then he just stopped right. and he knew that's it. She finally, he was finally not able to do whatever he wanted for the first time in. Yeah, he's been neutered. I mean, at long last. One time. And, yeah. you know, and if you know anything about Vic Mackey, the fact that he was neutered by a woman is, you know, is especially uh, galling to him because he's such a macho guy. Um, and, you know, I got to tell you, when they first brought in that character, uh, when they brought her in, I really was thinking, oh, God, it's going to be another girl that, like, falls, Vic finds Vic Mackey alluring, and they're gonna, he's going to F it out with her, and, uh, you know, whatever. Uh, the idea that they not only didn't ever get together romantically, but that she ends up turning on him, and she is the woman who basically castrates him, uh, is just, I didn't see that coming. It's just, just, Matt, that is the only way that show could have ended last night. It's the only way they could have ended it. Fantastic, fantastic. Uh, fantastic. Really makes me wish that I had a big drinking habit. Because that's a, that's a show where you watch it and you go, ah, oh, no, did you make it, you know, what did Sam Kinison say? Make it two-fifths of Jack Daniels! Yeah, left, uh, left you with a little, it left oh. you very, very satisfied, but with, you know, that's uh, kind of a weird, weird feeling that, uh, yes. you know, all this, this, this just the incredible wake of destruction. I mean, unbelievable. Everything he touched, and up to the very, very end, he was attempting... To, to create more destruction. The yeah. Very, very, very end. Yes. No, I'm I'm dead inside. Poor Ronnie. Yeah. Oh probably, God. Probably the best guy out of all three of those guys in the strike team overall. I don't think he ever killed me one that I remember, but he was the best guy, and he took the shaft as bad as anybody. Oh, and I'm getting all these emails. We're talking. I'm getting all these emails about it. I have to tell you, that's uh, that's the one moment from last night. That's the scene actually that kept me awake because I kept having nightmares about it. Was that scene when they are they come in and they arrest Ronnie. And he, Ronnie just, and first of all, have you noticed this, that Ronnie is such a soft-spoken character for seven years? And yep. Sean Ryan, again, is just such an evil genius. Ronnie has never really even raised his voice for seven years. And it was also last night when they come arrest him, he just loses it, goes crazy. And then the last shot you see of Ronnie as Vic is leaving is Ronnie being forcibly restrained in the other room. He's flailing around and, and is crying. And you're just like, oh, God. I mean, that is just... That was the worst moment for me, even worse than the suicide. That The worst moment for me last night was seeing Ronnie just snap and just break like that. The worst but the best. Oh, all right. Did that... he ever kill – did he ever actually kill anyone? Oh, I don't know that he actually did. I mean, who can even murder. keep track? Uh, who can yeah, even sure. keep track at this point? It's such an evil show. All right, thank you, sir.
right, there you go. Big up for everybody. All right, it's Tim Riley. So is the, is the show presented every night on on demand? Um, you know, I don't really know. I think probably this season is. Uh, but you know, the, this is the fi- the seventh and final season. Um, the previous six seasons are all out on DVD. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so you can certainly get those on DVD. You can get them on iTunes, I think. I think this whole season is probably on on demand. But you you really do. You have to watch it from the beginning, and I'm not just saying that because I'm a fan. I, it's, I've been saying this all week, so it's not a spoiler to say this. There is something that happens in literally the very first episode of the series, episode number one, season number one, that they don't fully pay off until last night, the final episode of the series. I mean, they plant something in the very first hour of that show that it was ever on the air, and they don't pay it off until the final episode ever. I mean, it's one long Seven-year story, basically. Well, if I can't find it, I'll watch American Pie again. (laughs) It's the weirdest thing you've ever said. Oh, speaking of things that are no longer available, why did AMC withdraw any sign that they have a program called Mad Men on On Demand? There's nothing to be found there anymore. Wait, so... American Movie Classics no longer offers On Demand episodes or any evidence that they have... Mad Men. Well, my it guess would be... behind-the-scenes battle going on here? My guess would be that it's because they're getting ready to launch Season 2 on DVD. They're getting ready to put Season 2 on DVD out, and they want to force you into getting it on DVD. All right, fine. That'd be, that'd be my speculation. Mm. Hey, did you ever see those Mad Men? And I never got one, so this is not like some cool thing that I get that other people don't. Like, I didn't get one either. Did you ever see the Mad Men sets we gave away? AM 970, the Rick Emerson show? No. No. Oh, they're go- I mean, great. And I can say this because, you know, I didn't get one. Uh, you know that you know they were all for? They were for the people. Uh, the- we gave them to the people. Uh, they were, it was the whole first season in a big metal DVD box that looked like a giant Zippo lighter. And oh, that is so cool. Open the top and the, the DVDs were decorated so they looked like flames. It was like so cool. Big Zippo lighter. So I didn't get one. They were, uh, they were for, uh. God, we have such cool prizes that we never folks get Folks in Radio Land. Keep. As it should be, really. One more here, and we'll take a break. I'm willing to sacrifice. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, tomorrow, the Oregon Zoo is going to be open free. Free admission. You can learn more about the zoo, its programs, and animals. So uh, go to the zoo tomorrow. What time does it open? Do you know, Tim? Like you're going to go. Why I'm would totally you... going to go. Really? Why not? It's a free Let's day see. at the zoo. Okay. Uh, oh, the uh, the meerkats will receive their paper mache turkeys at 1030, filled with mealworms and crickets. The bears and tigers will be fed beginning at 10.30. A paper mache turkey filled with mealworms and crickets. Mmm. Oh, that's so Sign me up. And the annual turkey trot begins at 8 a.m. You're running for animals. That's when Dad uses too much grease. Mm-hmm. And all the bears, uh, let's see. Oh, the amure tigers, sun bears, and black bears will receive large paper mache turkeys and Thanksgiving platters filled with an assortment of delectable delicacies. I feel like some, like you're making a few of these animals up, like just as like a, like a, to see if I'll spot it. Which one did you think was called? Amur bears? Amur tigers. A-M-U-R tigers. I don't know. Meerkats. That's like a lemur. Doesn't a lemur sound like it's made up? Doesn't sound like a fake animal. Like Some a... bears and black bears. All right. Hey, you know, my wife had her last night in Bolivia for dinner. What? Her birthday dinner. She had uh, she had alpaca pizza. I said, what are you having? Pizza? Really? What kind? Alpaca. Which is weird. So, all right, there you go. Because alpaca sounds like a fake animal, too. Or that thing where your hair falls out like Sarah. Let's take a break. We'll back after this. Uh, it's 503-733-3970. Uh, more from Tim Riley later on. Are we talking to Steve Kasselman? We are. Well, I wrote to Tyler. I haven't heard back yet. Because he's at the Macy's Day thing, or whatever that is. All right. Uh, Jim Roop coming up later on. Bob Costantini, stay there. 
Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. Oh, God. All right. Hey, did you see, good news, did you see that uh, CBS is on route to winning the November sweeps, Tim? I did. With another dominating week in the television ratings, CBS will own the November sweeps for the eighth straight year. That's right. Suck on that, everybody else. Um, back when they started winning, sweeps months were very important, blah, 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 blah. Anyway. Uh, CBS, blah, 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 CBS. Oh, and everybody else sucks, apparently. Apparently it's all CBS. Mm-hmm. I guess nobody else has anything. Because no. everything is gone, right? Because Lost, you were just saying, when is Lost back? January 21st. But it's been gone for a long time. I know, I've, Lost has lost me. I just, I can't even, I'm not even that excited Are you going to watch it when it comes back? Yes. Now, here's the thing. You say that it's, quote, lost you, but I mean, are, when, are you just saying that? In other words, when it comes back, are you going to, like, dive right back into it, heart and, yes. heart and soul? Yes, those abusive bastards. All right. That's how we all were with the Sopranos. Screw the Sopranos. It's taken three years off. But then we were all just, like, sucked right back into it. So, um, let's see. What did, here's some other stuff. And I don't watch a lot of these shows. And, I, again, I, I'm not saying they're bad shows. It's just there's not enough time to watch everything, regrettably. Um, so, 24, I don't really watch that. I know a lot of people do, though. If 24 has been gone forever, when is the last time 24 was even on? Anyone? I don't know. I've been I mean, I know a lot of people who watch it. It seems like a fine show. I just don't have time. There's only so many hours in the day. But it seems like 24 has been gone for like, it's been at least a year. Didn't Kiefer Sutherland go to jail or something? So, or Richie said they had a two-hour special prequel on Sunday, so I guess they're bringing it back. All right. So there you go. Well, in any event, doesn't matter. Whatever happened to that Matt LeBlanc sitcom that they put on hiatus temporarily? Joey? Yeah. We should to- <gasps> We should totally call and ask when it's coming back. I understand it's on hiatus. Is that like today or next week? Okay, wasn't it on hiatus like three years ago? I think so. No, that's they right. They, they never canceled it. They just put it on hiatus. We should completely call and demand to know when that hiatus will be over. Well, you know, it's like Bill Gates is still considered enrolled at Harvard. Like they won't ign- Harvard refuses to admit that anybody would ever drop out and not return. So, like, if you look at Bill Gates' status at Harvard, it's, like, currently enrolled, but, like, on leave. They just can't bring themselves to admit that somebody would say, F it. So, so bring back the Matt LeBlanc sitcom. Joey, I forgot all about Maybe that. Maybe they change the name of it to, like, friend. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, you're on the That's Gold. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Is this me? Yes, it is. Hello, sir. Hi there. Hi. Uh, I just wanted to call and let you know the uh, filet of fish was actually created for Catholics. Really? Um, there, yeah, there was uh, an hour-long special on a cable news channel that is not CNN. Um, that uh, detailed the history of McDonald's Corporation. Well, what channel was this? I don't care. Uh, MSNBC. MSNBC, okay. Yeah, it was all about the big, they called it the Big Mac Empire, and they went into the history of um, Ray Kroc and McDonald's, and apparently one of the original franchisees opened a store in an area that was dominated by Catholics, and he just got no business uh, uh, on the weekend. And he and wanted he, something to wanted something to make a little money in that market. Exactly, and so he proposed the filet of fish, but Ray Kroc wanted a pineapple grilled sandwich that was a big piece of pineapple, apparently. And so they did this big sell-off, and the filet of fish was the winner. The pineapple went away, and that is uh, the story of the filet of fish. And is this another one of those things where the guy who created it got like $5 in a hat? He didn't get anything. (laughs) Even better. Excellent. All right. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Uh, He slashed his own throat in shame. I don't believe that's a historically accurate reading of the situation. That's a drastic revision of the text, Tim. So, um, well, that's okay. You're about the, you know, the Frappuccino guy. No, the no. guy who created the Frappuccino, which is like the single most successful thing in. Do you know at one point, like seventy percent of their profit was coming from the Frappuccino? Um, 
The guy who created the Frappuccino, I think literally they gave him like $500. There you go. And um, and at one point he said, I think I've told the story before, this is in the book Starbucks by Taylor Clark, um, who I want to have on at some point, especially now that Starbucks is, you know, the luster is off a little bit. At one point he said that he was at a party. This is the guy who created the Frappuccino. He was at a party and he tried to kind of like chat up a girl with that. It's like, hey, I created the Frappuccino. And she's like, uh-huh, yeah, whatever. And then he just like he's like I never told anybody ever again. I went home and cried. So that's it. He got nothing. All right, Ray Kroc. Boy, he's Ray Kroc is just a, a he's an American original. Mm-hmm. Just a great ruthless business guy. All right, here's Tim Riley. And after he passed away, all the McDonald's get that plastic plaque to put on. Oh the wall. yeah, yeah. All right, here's uh, Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth today. Well, usually the news media puts out these same stories every every time that says packed, lots of traffic jams, airports jammed. Well, they're not mm. using them this year. Fewer passengers, less people on the road. It's the first time this has been done. Drudge had a like a picture today with like LAX or someplace, which is empty. There's nobody Not there. one person is at LAX. I was looking at the traffic this morning too, and there is like it's dead everywhere. Well, like, isn't it that they say that it's, it's supposed to be the busiest travel day of the year? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the day before Thanksgiving. So what is the? So in other words, will there be another day that is going to be the busiest travel day of the year, or will this still be the busiest travel day of the year, but it's just much less than? I guess so. Interesting. Maybe everyone's saving up for the big travel, like Christmas season. For Christmas, so they'll do one day, not two, mm-hmm. perhaps. Why is Thanksgiving the biggest? That doesn't make any sense now that I think about it. Why would the day before Thanksgiving ever be the biggest travel day of the year? Why wouldn't it be Christmas? Why I, would... I think Thanksgiving is probably a bigger family day. Or it is the first big family day to return to where you came from. Maybe. Or maybe everybody goes to visit their family on Thanksgiving, but then when December rolls around, you're like, oh, we just saw those bastards, and you know, we'll call. Well, Thanksgiving has more to do with food than Christmas. Yeah, that's And true. you can't keep Americans away from food. No, no, no you can't, Tim. <laughs> I was just saying, no lie, you know what I'm going to do today? Because my wife isn't back till like, midnight, so I got, like, another 12 hours just being a fat bastard. Um, I'm going to sit around today and do In fact, I take it back. I'm not only my... Not, I'm not going to do nothing... I'm gonna go buy. I'm gonna go to McDonald's. I'm gonna buy multiple filet fish sandwiches, and I'm gonna go home and I'm gonna play Xbox. I'm gonna That's go it. get a bento bowl after work, and then, then I'm gonna see a game exchange and buy a couple of DVDs and Excellent. go to my warm apartment and watch them. That's it. I'm gonna sit sit there uh, with my heat blazing, mm-hmm. uh, and the dogs wearing sweaters, and I'm gonna eat from McDonald's and I'm gonna play Xbox. I'm gonna prepare the corn for tomorrow's meal. Are you gonna put those little like fake feet things on it? Those little white feet <laughs> footy deals. Are they on? made out of like cauliflower or something? Yeah. Excellent corn. It, it's fungus for the holiday. It's what's for dinner. It puts the fun in fungus. Wild turkeys have invaded Longview. Can you imagine that? Mike and Christy are used to odd noises in their home. They usually see... <laughs> Why would they be used to odd noises <laughs> in their home? Noises? What and... with all the strange sex <laughs> and, and the poltergeist? Oh, Mike and Christy, are used good to folks, odd good noises folks. in their home in Longview. They regularly see elk, deer, bobcats, and other wildlife, but wild turkeys? Why, that's a brand new ball game. I've never seen them before. Uh-huh. There was a racket on the front porch, so I peeked around very carefully. Do they also see old granddads? They looked out the window, and it was turkeys. Well, eventually, uh, Christy had the courage to open up the door. They were sitting on a railing, and they were pecking at her roses. So she called her husband, Mike. Uh, the turkeys enjoy the hunting. Which is challenge. odd, because his name is really Larry. And then there was a whole awkward discussion. So, the next time, they had turkeys all over the deck. The whole deck was covered by turkeys. They walked right up to the window, just like they wanted to. They opened up the door, and the turkeys walked right in. It was scary. They the didn't beginning. open the door. Who the turkey in their house? Why? Wait, no. Christy no. and uh, Mike. Hold on. Now, it's stop. Everyone, stop. It sounds like the turkeys opened the door. 
Let me go Who back and the door the, in this story. The turkey. No, the Christy. Christy did. Why? Well, there were turkeys all over the deck. So, of course, you'd let them in. They walked right up to the window like they wanted to come in, so I opened the door. And the turkeys came Because right I in. let the turkeys tell me what to she, do. She said it was kind of scary only in the beginning. Well, really, what isn't? She I can think of many things that are like that. Her husband, Mike, says they're here to stay. They're getting a foothold. What's wrong with Christy and Mike? Are they... You can't just let the turkeys win like that. Are they enfeebled in some way, Tim? I mean, where where is this? Longview. But, okay. It's Mike and Chris. They are used to odd noises at their home. I'm not... Uh-huh. I'm not saying... This is a made-up story, but it isn't. isn't it a little strange that the story is just now coming out because of Thanksgiving? Uh-huh. I mean, why this didn't just did this just happen? Maybe the turkeys know it's Thanksgiving, and so they're seeking refuge from Sarah Palin and her uh, killing cone. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I, I guess that makes sense. Well, there you go. So, so that's the tale of the turkeys at Mike and Christie's noisy Longview home. What must the inside of that house smell like? These. I wonder place? how many turkeys there are. Really? He didn't count them. What kind of the car? Nor did they point? ask. All right. Well, there you go. There's that. Uh, icy roads caused lots of crashes in Washington County. Uh, there are no reports of injuries, but there was lots of ice on roads today, usually around Highway 47 and Martin Road and the Cornelius Schlifflin Road. It was 32 degrees last night. Yeah, it's always colder in Washington County. A man who was shot 20 times by Boise police has filed an excessive force suit. The man who was shot 20 times this summer claims officers used excessive force. So he's suing for $5 million against the city. I would be more interested to know what kind of incompetent police they're hiring that he's been shot 20 times and still has the wherewithal to file a lawsuit. Mm-hmm. He's suffering permanent injuries, including I would think so. in one eye and kidney failure. <laughs> I would imagine. He has a million dollars in medical bills. How are, but he lives, <laughs> how he are lives his, after being shot 20 times. How is one of his permanent injuries not the fact that he's dead? How could you be shot 20 times by the... Shot. But I mean, but they hit him, though. That's not like... But, you know, in other the words, officers have been cleared of wrongdoing in the issue. But the story doesn't say they fired 20 times and he was hit like a couple. It says he was shot 20. That's 20 bullets hitting your body. Well, it says. Were they all in an ear? He emerged from hiding, pointing a, a soldering gun at the officers. Why would you do that? He didn't have a real gun. Next best thing. Make do. Mm-hmm. It, right. This is Boise. And he was shot. He was hit 20 times. That's correct. And yet he's alive. Uh-huh. Million dollars in medical bills. Well, a million dollars might put anyone back together, I guess. Well, I uh, I don't know. Hey, you know, somebody should do that. Somebody should do one of those, like, uh, you know, they do that, uh, like, how much is the cost of a rubber chicken or something every year, the cost of comedy. Somebody ought to do how much would it cost to make the $6 million man, like, today. Oh, like today? Yeah, I mean, it would have to, there couldn't be $6 million. I mean, that wouldn't even, that wouldn't buy it. This, this guy was only shot by the cops and his medical bills are a, are a million. So I'd like to know how much money it would take uh, to actually create the $6 million man, like, in 2008 dollars. I mean, just, you know, as, as like a, as a thing. Amtrak is repeating last year's successful Thanksgiving service here in the Northwest. And today and Sunday should be the busiest time to take a train. We're actually adding 10 additional trains between Seattle and Portland through Sunday. They're going to be able to accommodate uh, what we think will be another record Thanksgiving. They're going to be able to strand thousands of people like more than they usually would. It's like the train that never ends, really, if they line them up right. one after another. Well, weren't you on the train that just stopped? Oh, yes, for hours. No, I'm saying, man, with their efficiency, they'll be able to maroon tens of thousands of people in the time that, you know... I got the last cookie, though. <laughs> oh, by the way, uh, do you uh, you have a, one of the... Do you get that Chinook book thing? Chinook book? You know what I'm talking about? No. It's like one of those value coupon books they sell every year. 
Mm-mm. You know what I, but you know what I, I, I know what you're talking about. The general about, concept. Yeah. Well, there's a thing in there for Amtrak tickets. How do you feel about those? Would you need Mom, those? Well, you know, Amtrak uh, did give me some tickets due to my uh, misery. <laughs> I wish people would give give things to me for my misery. I would ne- I'd never have to buy anything again. Somebody gave me something every time I was irritated or miserable, I'd be a, I'd be a wealthy man today. Well, so. it is irritating to, to know that you're stopped on the tracks with no food for hours and see other trains whizzing by you with people eating in the dining car smiling. And I don't like the idea of being stopped on the tracks anyway, because you know that's just that some guy's gonna fall asleep in the wrong switch somewhere. The next thing you know, they're gonna take you out in the take you out in the tin cup. Mm-hmm. What's up? With, what are you doing over there, Sarah? I can't get my applesauce open. Is it because you're a lady? Oh, you gotta tap it with a knife. Tap on the it. Top. Yeah. That's a plastic fork, not a knife. I don't have a knife. Well, oh, wait, there's a dirty knife. You were tapping it, literally. Sarah was tapping the, the, the rim of the door. There have got to be dirty utensils a here. A plastic fork that was like three inches long. It's not working. Well, let me try it. Tim's a man. Let him do it. Let me see that. I'm thing. just saying. The evidence in oh, the... Oh, there you go. All right. Well, but it was... Right, even the lady can do it. Uh, with a man's advice. Even the lady can do it. Really? That it should was... be their new slogan for this applesauce. <laughs> what do they say in Mad Men about that typewriter? You know, it's it's really easy. Even a woman can operate it. How does that work? How does hitting it with a knife make it... Because it, I think it because it cracks the seal. Because the seal is bonded. The plastic on the inside of the ring is bonded to the glass, uh, and that breaks the seal, I believe. Thank you, Tim Riley. Thank you, You're Tim welcome. Riley. My applesauce is delicious. I hope that made somebody's holiday a little merrier than it had. Your applesauce right brings here. all the boys to the yard, Sarah. You're eating applesauce with a fork? Uh, what can you do? I suppose. All right, Thanks here's Tim Riley. So Amtrak says there'll be security on hand, but uh, not that much of it, really. So we do have uh, random bag checks, and we do have mobile security units at many of our larger stations, some that the passenger will be aware of and others uh, they won't be aware of. But the good news is that, like, the Greyhounds are sort of like a magnet for all the bad people. You know yeah. what I mean? They're there as, like, they're like, uh, they're like there as that, uh, you know, the bug zappy porch light thing mm-hmm. that get, gets the mosquitoes away from the other lights. This from the government. Four new Does it say that at the top? From the government. The government says. All right. It took four new reports to reveal that we have a battered economy. They did four reports on this. It's official. We have a battered economy. It's a bleak picture of the nation's economy. Jobless claims remain at incredible levels. Thanks for doing that. I had more here. Uh, Apparently, we've been in a recession since April, by the way. That's what I heard last night on the Michael That's what I heard, show. too. Uh, recession since April. You know how long it's going to last? Forever. 14 months. There you go. We need a good war. Yeah. President-elect Barack Obama has named former Fed Reserve Chairman Paul Volcker to head the new Economy Advisory Commission. Paul has been by my side throughout this campaign, providing a deep understanding of the financial markets, no one knows who extensive he is. experience managing economic crises, and keen insight into the global nature of this particular crisis. Volcker. I barely knew her. Doesn't it sound like he should be leading some charge in the Luftwaffe or something? Mm-hmm. Um... Hey, you know, speaking about having a good war, Tim, yeah. uh, so we've had these bad wars going on for a while now that seem to be uh, causing all of this, uh, you know. You know, and can I just say this? I mean, that's the thing that nobody, now that I think about it, now I've gone from never having thought about it to now it's pissing me off. That's the thing that in all of these stories about the economy, have you noticed that's conspicuously absent? I'm not trying to exonerate banks and lenders. You know, and unregulated, uh, you know, unre- unregulated uh, loans and so forth. But if you notice that in all of these, like, I mean, we must have had 500 e- economy stories over the last few months, right? Yeah. I mean, every day, Ali Velshi's on uh, on Anderson Cooper going like, hey, we're all going to die or whatever. Have you noticed that conspicuously absent from all these stories is the fact that we're spending like a trillion dollars a month in Iraq? 
Yeah. That's interesting. Why hasn't anybody pointed that out in any of these? I'm not trying to say that banks are blameless or that Americans don't have bad spending habits. They, you know, they do. But it's kind all... of contributed to this. Do you think? Uh, along with the astronomical gas prices that yeah. pretty much ruined the economy. You think, Tim, it could have contributed to the fact that we... How much money have we spent in Iraq by now? Oh, I mean, I'm, hold on. I'm going to look it up right now. I'm going to go to Wikipedia and look up Iraq war. Uh, I'd like to know exactly how much money we've spent in Iraq on KCMD Portland uh, right now. Because now that I think about it, it's not the only factor, but it's a, it's a massive factor, and no one ever says it. Like in all of these, they keep wanting to talk about, well, and the problem here is bubble lending or whatever. And all of that stuff with companies that have got bad paper, bad loans, toxic debts and all that stuff. I mean, that is a huge Ask part of it. Astronomical gas prices that broke everybody. Yeah, but nobody's ever saying, oh, and by the way, we spent like a trillion dollars on a totally pointless war. And uh, crippled tens of thousands of people were never shown. Well, that's the thing. Well, no, and, and also this. Um, and when I say pointless war, I mean, I guess I should clarify that. I, you know, we're not trying to, you know, to in any way diminish or, or uh, you know, make light of the, the sacrifice of people. It's just that it was, you know. Pointless. It, I mean, it was just for something we didn't need to do. I mean, that's the thing. Like, it was for a thing that didn't need. It was addressing a problem that didn't need to be handled. It was to make a certain number of people feel good. It was to impress daddy. That's what it was for. We can all say that. It was to impress somebody's daddy. It may have impressed Daddy, but it gave former First Lady Barbara Bush an ulcer. Did it really? Which she had surgery for this morning. Oh, it was see. emergency surgery. She'll men in the hospital monitor through the Thanksgiving holiday. Her holiday has been ruined. All right. By the way, who wants to know how much? Guess, uh, as of now, what the total cost to the U.S. economy of the Iraq war has been. Giving freedom isn't cheap. I know that. Well, it's a bucko five, Tim. But guess beyond that how much the total cost of the American economy is. The thing is, you might actually guess so high that it'll be lower than that. But it's a lie. How much? How much money? How many dollars do you think the total cost of the U.S. economy? It's in the, the trillion. Three trillion dollars. Oh, that's not bad. Jeez. But I mean, how insane is that? That we're like, I thought it'd be much more than that. It's worth it for democracy. Democracy is messy, you know. Eight hundred. Uh, yeah. The total cost of the U.S. economy, the record, three trillion dollars. Nothing. Jesus. We could have invaded countries that actually needed it. Uh, with that kind of, we could have invaded some good countries. And by the way, I don't mean to, to, to take things in just a depressing direction, uh, but I mean, you know, the single biggest contributing factor to American individual bankruptcy claims is healthcare. Mm -hmm. I mean, healthcare causes, and this is a fact, what they call a checkable fact. Uh, you hear about this uh, housing market and lending and people buying mortgages they can't afford. That's certainly true. More people file individual bankruptcy uh, claims because of health costs than anything else. Healthcare and health debt. Uh, causes more bankruptcy than anything else. And, of course, as you just noted, Tim, is tens of thousands of injuries, I mean, 50,000 American injuries that were never shown on television, that are pointed out to us, that we don't get to see. Uh, you know, my... Um, Apparently, these people kept locked away somewhere. Yeah, well, they are. I mean, very much so. And they kept away from cameras. And so that's like 50,000 guys right there, you know, women, but I mean people, uh, you know, service people, who are injured to some degree, who will have lost wages, obviously their own cost of rehabilitation. So, I mean, that continues to screw the economy. Obviously, that's not, you know, it's horrible just in and of itself, but it also contributes to this battering of the economy. But it's weird that nobody says that. Like, at no point has, has Susie Orman or Ali Velshi or any of those guys get in the phone and go, well, look, there's all of this bad bank stuff, but hey, how about this uh, war that we didn't need to have that has cost us $3 trillion? What about that? Uh, which, but then that leads to this question, sort of a wag the dog thing. So we're in Afghanistan, I guess, uh, and we're still in Iraq. 
why don't we, I mean, doesn't it seem like we should pick a really, like a really needed war and fight that? Because they always claim that war is good for the economy. Mm. That's one of those canards that, that, that they continually, they trot that out every time they talk about like World War II. And of course, there was the boon to the U.S. economy as our boys overseas fought the Nazis. And then they show like Rosie the Riveter cranking out bullets or something. Mm -hmm. And they say, wars, as you know, are big business and create a thriving financial uh, economy or whatever. So why? Meanwhile, why soldiers is, are getting electrocuted in the shower thanks to KBR over there. But I mean, why? But why are we? But why is that not happening now? Why is this war not good for the economy? Wars are always good for the economy. And who could we point. invade that would make it good for the economy? I vote Saudi Arabia as I always do. But then it seemed like maybe there's somebody who really needs invading. Mm -hmm. Go over there and get our war on and actually, uh, you know, make some money. Jesus, the whole thing is just—it's uh, just ludicrous. Here's Tim Riley. So it uh, looks like Obama is already uh, taking charge of things, since the current president uh, isn't doing anything. Uh, Obama's holding news conferences. Oh, you know what else I found out? I thought it was very interesting. The inauguration is in January. Yes. And originally it was in March, but it was moved up to January during the Depression so FDR could hurry up and be in charge and turn things around. Interesting. Yeah. You know, did you see that they're already, I mean, the, the, the tickets and all of that uh, stuff for the inauguration are already just at record levels. Mm -hmm. I know MTV is doing an inaugural party, which, of course, they never really do. Um, we should do one. But, but, see, and I thought about that, but I thought, are we all just so worn out from the actual election party? Well, when is so. it? In January? January yeah. 20th. Which is a what? what they oh, it say. can't be the 21st, because that's last night. You're such an American. I'd like to see the new president sworn in who will lead our nation in this horrible uh, economic uh, crisis, but the lost. No, lost is Wednesday the 21st. Obama, well, wait, I don't know. The 20th is the inauguration, right? Yes. Oh, yeah. So January 20th, that's a Tuesday, Sarah. Okay. There's nothing Thank on God. Tuesday, not All anymore. Right. All right. Now the law, you see, now the shield is over. I, I would have no problem with such a party. Yes, you can't scold me for the loss because you've been talking about the shield forever. Right. No, that's true. Okay, KCMD Portland. That's right. Here's Tim Riley. So the White House says the $700 billion bailout package has done a lot to help the struggling economy. Uh-huh. Uh, and bail out Iraq next. Mm -hmm. And now we're going to help the, uh, the housing sector. That program seems to be working, has been successful in shoring up the balance sheets of these banks, and they're, they're far more healthy today than they were a month ago and two months ago and three months ago, and that's good for our whole financial system. You know, this is the White House press secretary who has never been formally introduced to That's anyone. not He's true. Tony Fratto. No, that's not true. Dana Perino is the White House secretary. It says Tony Fratto is press secretary. When did they get rid of Dana Perino? Why wasn't I consulted? Say. Oh, the first line says he is press secretary. Then the second one says he is the deputy White House spokesman. All right, I was going to say, you don't get the... the also, the, a deputy spokesman is different. Yeah, no, you the, you can't get rid of Dana Perino. She's, uh, she's the only reason anybody would watch those things anymore. Because he's all hot and so forth. The president is doing everything he can to save the economy. That, you know, the you said that we would use every tool and every authority that well, we're we using have available every tool. to make sure that we don't have a collapse in our financial sector. We've yes, also said that we're going to do out. everything we can do and use every tool and authority that we can use to make sure that banks have enough capital to lend. Shut it. Oh, by the way, $3 trillion, that's $10,000 for every single man, woman, and child in America. So that's what the Iraq war has cost us. Every single person... Uh, from the age of one day up, every single living person in America, that's ten, ten grand a person. Oh, that's Jesus. Fine. Well, at least, he, at least it bought me a failing economy. Mm -hmm. It uh, sure did. And by the way, I know that gas is now back below. It's that $2 or whatever now, which is, you know, which is the, good. The oil companies are, are trying to stay in the background as Mr. Obama takes power. Oh, of course. They, they would have well, been the first. Somebody thing. suggested the oil companies ought to bail out the car companies. 
That would be a great idea. I think that should be Obama's first executive. I'm ordering the oil companies to bail out the automakers. Because, I mean, really, they did contribute to this. So, um, and, and, well, never mind. I was just going to say, I've made this point before, but it bears repeating that all of this is, and this does usually come from the left. This comes from an idiot who is in front of you that also has a Grateful Dead sticker, who talks about, like, you know, he doesn't want to go to war for oil, when clearly we haven't. Because if, it, if we'd gone to war for oil, we just would have taken it, and the oil would have been so much cheaper the entire time we were in Iraq, and it wouldn't have screwed us so badly with fuel prices. So clearly, uh, so let me just say, if you're, you know, if you're just some empty-headed liberal, and I'm talking directly to all my wife's friends, just shut it with how we went to war for oil, because that clearly never... And look, and if we did go to war for oil, we're not very good at it, because it was sitting over there, and we never bothered to take it. So, <clears throat> I mean, the next time we allegedly go to war for oil, I would appreciate it if we would just, you know, actually take the oil while we're there. So, I Maybe mean, they forget the barrels. No, it'd be like invading a sizzler and then ordering out for pizza. It makes no sense at all. It's exactly like that, Tim. Uh, let's see. What are we uh, what are we doing here? Let's see. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. What's up? Hey. Hey. Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong, but... You're wrong! Uh, I think uh, Mr. Riley said something in a news story a bit there ago about um, random bag checks, and I just thought that that made me feel kind of uncomfortable. That's all. Like I you don't want a guy checking your bag without your permission? Well, not randomly, for God's sake. But if he made an appointment with you and maybe bought you dinner beforehand? No, that's possible. Then let's get back to your place for a random bag inspection. <laughs> Good point. All right. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. All right. Well, I did say that. I'm sorry I made people feel uncomfortable. That's okay, Tim. It's what we do. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Good day, Rick Emerson. Hello, hi. I would like to make a, a small observation that hopefully people would not um, have not forgotten. Uh, I am a graduate of, graduate of the class of 89, and uh, there on graduation day, one of our teachers was kind of summarizing our lives and, and whatnot and said, take a look at the price of gas today and realize the price of gas today, it will never be lower than what you see it today. In fact, you will in your lifetime never see it below a dollar again. Then a couple of years later, we had Desert Storm. Mm-hmm. We did all that, and then troops started coming home, and gas at the AMPM was 91 cents a gallon. I'm just a saying. I don't understand. What are you just a saying? Well, I'm just saying that um, the price of gas was high, and the prediction was this that is we like would a guy goes remember, gas go down. This is like when people come and they go, remember when it was hot? It's cold now. What do you right. mean? I don't understand. What is the... Well, when, when Desert Storm ended, yes. gas was 91 cents. Right. I understand that. What, it it and, came down to 91 cents. I understand what, I understand what lower means. What, but I guess my point is, therefore, what therefore, conclusion can the, we draw from this? Is it possible that when uh, whatever's going on over... That direction now, Iraq slash that whole theater now. Whatever's going on when the um, illusion of it being over and people start coming home, uh, will the price of gas go down again to the, um, I guess what you would consider to be a reasonable level? Well, gas is already. I mean, look, wasn't gas like three ninety this summer, Tim? Yes. Okay, now it's like two bucks. For, but right. and, and here's that in the suburbs. Well, and here's the other thing: for no reason, like that's the, the like for reasons that no one can explain. Exactly. It that. went up for no reason. It went down for no reason. Clearly, the decrease in you know the lowering of the gas price had nothing to do with the fact that we're at war. Because again, despite despite whatever your hippie friend tells you, and I'm not saying you, but I mean anybody out there, despite what your hippie friends tell you, clearly we didn't go to war for oil because hey, we just would have taken it, and gas would have been like fifty cents a gallon. So it appears to just have 
it, it appears it to be... It spontaneously came down and went way up. It's like a fire in backdraft. It's this thing that oil prices and gas prices appear to be sentient beings that just think on their own. And they just go up and down at their own whim, I think. Right. So, now, I, I'm not trying to be a jerk. I'm just saying I just... They appear to be related to nothing. Gas sure. prices appear to be tied to nothing in particular. Well, yes. Yeah, I mean, you can't you can't predict why it goes up or down or or no. what. I'm so glad and it just does. Glad we had this talk. Yes, it does. All right. All right. Thanks. All right. Well, thank you for calling. All right. Thanks. I love that guy. All right. Here's Tim Riley. He's a real voice number one. Mm-hmm. Well, the Butterball Turkey Hotline oh. is gearing up to be used for mobile devices such as cell phones. Now you can get more turkey tips anywhere. He wanted to know if he could inject his turkey with hot sauce. So we, we talked some different options through with him, and basically we came to a conclusion that he was going to serve hot sauce on the side and then just dip his, his turkey meat. One caller had an unusual question. He heard everything from, you know, thawing their turkey um, in a jacuzzi or, you know, just the, the, the possibilities really are endless. You must lose all hope in humanity if you have to work the Butterball Hotline. You must sit there every day and just think to yourself, damn, these people are worker. stupid. I mean, th- really. Maybe they're living the dream, Rick. You don't know. Maybe. I mean, where are they at? Are they in a big room somewhere? I would imagine so. We need to call the Butterball turkey no, line. No, no, Kind of ask somebody like no. about their life. Tim, do we need to call the Butterball turkey hotline? If we have something humorous to say. We need to come up with a turkey question and then call the Butterball turkey line. That's a genius idea and you know it. I wonder how long the wait is. I wonder how long the wait will be because of other DJs in front of us calling the Butterball Hotline. Oh, come on. Let's just be hacks. Well, but I'm just saying, but I mean, so I don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not knocking the idea. I'm just saying, like, what would we, you'd have to ask something really creative, though. I mean, don't you think we'd have to come up with something kind of, be, I, all I'm saying is I think there's a lot of DJs who are like, we should call it ourselves. But then they just call them like, so anyway, so what could we, what could we ask that's not like, you know, like, what could we ask that's not dumb? Anyone? We could actually just so ask them like to be dumb. we could actually just ask them like do you just how does one become a Butterball telephone service employee? I, that's my thing, I guess. Is I'm more interested. What do you do the rest of the year? Exactly. My whole thing is like what, what room are they in? Are they in like one of those big, you know, like rooms that's just like folding tables? Are they working from home? Maybe if it's like one of those home employment. I think like a, like a phone psychic. Mm-hmm. Maybe I do it if I could work at home. Dude, you should be a phone psychic. I have been a phone psychic. Have you? I didn't know that. Yeah, I told you that. Really? I must have forgotten about that. When? Oh, it was a long, long time ago. Did How you give people you bad advice? Yes. I I read a Gemini, their horoscope out of an Aries book, and I felt terrible after that because I knew I ruined somebody's life. Did they quiz you about, like, because um, when Lara did it, uh, when she was a phone psychic, they asked her, it's so great that they ask all these questions with a straight face, too. They look at you like one adult to It's like asking, like, do you know more about goblins or wizards? They they were like, so um, what is your method uh, for divining the future? Uh, yeah. Person who was pretending uh, with me that yeah, this crap is real, so we can look please into people. My crystal ball. No, they asked. They get and they asked. They gave it was like a multiple choice. They said, so uh, Lara, do you use the I Ching or perhaps fortune cards or tea leaves or I don't know what some other crap people use to tell the future. A dowsing stick. Crystal ball, dowsing rod, Mm -hmm. the Bible. Uh, So they, they and Laura, she made up some answers. She's like, I use the I Ching or whatever. And uh, which I think just involves flipping a coin, literally, and then like letting it land on a page of the I Ching and then whatever. Uh, And then, yeah, and then she would just sort of steer people into like the worst possible decisions. Not, not really. I mean, she was actually pretty, she was pretty good about it. But, uh, but you worked from home, right? 
No, I, I worked in the uh, boiler room, and I could barely hear the callers because everyone's jacking away next to me. See, so now, though, they just ride it right to your home. I know. That I should totally good. do that. I could do that. The, the trick was to, to keep them on the phone for at least seven minutes. And if Why you seven minutes? Because then they crank up the charges. Oh, really? Like it, is and, that like and, 99 cents a minute for the first seven minutes mm-hmm. after that $9? Exactly. And if you didn't keep enough online, then you failed your training period and you oh. could not continue. Uh, and so there was a guy with a stopwatch, you know, and he lose. They, they could tell at the end of the day how long uh, every phone line was hooked up to some kind of meter. Yeah, it's like, well, you know, and I think about like, you know, um, don't you think somebody should do like a little documentary again? And like in my documentary that is made of miniature documentaries. That and like phone sex worker. I think about that too. Can I? I mean, well, one of my roommates did that in her garage. Really? Yeah. See, maybe I'm she, just. A, she graduated a full time prostitution. May, <laughs> so Yay, good for her. <laughs> did, she, did she get a little mortarboard for that, Tim? Um, the uh, so. Um, did, did she become a prostitute when you were living with her still? Well, she she'd be missing for like hours at a time, and we kind of put two and two together that she wasn't out at the Seven Eleven picking up a couple things. As Lisa Desjardins would say, she was whoring around. Yes. Um, well, maybe this is more of me, but just being a creepy guy. But like, I don't know why every woman wouldn't just become a phone sex operator. I mean, that's got to be the easiest way. You're yeah, not. She used to sit in her SUV in the garage. She didn't even see, have to go anywhere. And Sarah's wrinkling her nose in disgust. No, but here's the thing: you're like... not even having to see guys. You don't no, even have to but touch you know, them. I don't. I don't want to accomplish turning perfect strangers on. Well. I would say you fail at that every day, then, Sarah. Oh, oh being. Uh, no. no, but I mean, well, this girl played a schoolgirl with a southern accent, and it really worked for her. That is I like because then you're just kind of assuming that all women are just kind of like robots and don't put any emotion into. Wait, who? Nah, see, now you're no, you're. Wait, so you think that every this woman? This is like a you've you've inadvertently revealed some things. I think I don't. What do you? I don't even know what you're saying. Wait, so you're saying that if you every woman should why they should. I'm be saying a sex operator? well, it's like I always joke about if I was a woman, I'd be a stripper because it's, it's like creepy. Well, so it. So so is everything. So is lots of so are lots of jobs. I'm just saying. I guess my point is this. I'm not saying like you know do it now. I get my. It's like I often joke about stripping. I say if I could strip, I'd do that right now. Like I, I, I've told the story before. My my younger brother James was going to become a male stripper. He was going to strip for guys because he found out how much money men who strip for men make. And he's got you know he's in, he's a good looking guy. He's amazing shape. Uh, and he said that the only thing that stopped him is he, you know, he would, there was no way, you think it's a tattoo is difficult. He said there's no way he could tell my mom. He's like, me and my mom would be, he's like, mom would never understand. And he's like, so I just couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he found out how much money they made. And I always joke that if I could strip, you know, you know, be, if I was a girl, I'd strip it because you do it for like five years and you're set. You know, if you manage your money right, you don't become some crack whore. So, but phone sex is even easier. Do it from home in your boxer shorts. I've had talks with my girlfriends, and there are people, I think there are people in their minds who have the stripper gene, and there are people who don't. Like, I personally don't, can't really identify with people who take off their clothes for a living. And, um, I don't, and I've never really had any stripper friends. Right. So I don't, I think it's like something that's missing from, you know, from different females. Like, I just don't have that capability. The phone sex is even easier though. You lived in LA for a while. Yeah, sure. They, 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 (laughs) no, they, they beat it into you. Um, but I mean, the phone sex is like, you don't have to see a guy. You don't have to take off your clothes. You can be dressed as you are now or wearing nothing or in a burlap sack. You bring up a good point with the phone sex thing. Not so much. I would never, ever strip, but. And I think you're, I mean, I think that's, I mean, I don't know how much a phone sex operator it makes. Now. I've only known, really? Oh. See, in my life, I knew one in Utah of all places. I knew a woman who was a phone sex operator. Married. It's like the old stereotype. Married. Kids. Not, not an ugly woman, but not certainly uh, what they peddle as the vision of perfection. She was uh I guess a moderately attractive housewife, we'd call her that. Um, and she would totally, I mean, if you, the guy would go off to work in the morning or whatever, and he totally knew. Uh, and she'd be at home with the kids. 
and they would for like five hours a day, like between, I don't know, like between like 10 and 3, they would just route calls to her when they came in. And she'd be sitting at home, and uh, I won't use her name, but you know, she used a fake name in any way. She'd like, this is Missy. Um, and she would and she would totally talk to these dumb, horny guys, and she would make, I mean, she never told me how much I think, but she would make it. She put it really good money. And she's like, you know what? She's like, I don't, she's like, guys think you're doing, all, let's put it this way. She goes, like, guys think you're doing all kinds of stuff. Yeah. She's like, they think I'm undressed and doing any number of things to myself. She's like, I'm not. She's like, you know what I'm doing? She's like, I'm going through the catalog and like circling stuff I'm going to buy with the money that they're giving me. <laughs> I'm updating my MySpace. Yeah, she's like, I'm making waffles with one hand and holding the phone with the other. You know what, Rick, you you brought this to light. I think I could not rule out a career as a phone sex operator. It seems like easy money. It is. And it's another one of those I things. I want to kind of look into how much this does pay. It is another one of those things, too, that it frustrates me because, because you know, I mean, look, let's have no illusions. I mean, it's like we, you know, we've all worked uh, in radio. We all work with our voices. That's a thing you could do. You know, all you have to, I mean, if you act at all, if you did a Tim, you're an actor. Yes. It is acting, I would think. It Phone is. sex operation is, is uh, that is acting. So, you know, but it's one of those things that, 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 that for whatever reason, you know, it, women, you know, women are much less willing to do it, but women are the ones who could totally make money like that doing it. I mean, just like that. Yeah, but, okay, so the best answer on Yahoo Hot Jobs uh, is three ninety five a minute. See, but now is that all going to you? Or yeah, is that so the, this person who does it says I charge three ninety five a minute after the first five minutes. See? I use six minutes to get credit. So then the company takes their slice. Everything else goes to you. Work from home. Specify the. It's like we're talking about Amway. Um, so I'm saying you do that for like, let's say ten hours a week. Uh, let's see, that's four dollars times six. That four, you know, ten hours a week at three ninety five a minute. That's twenty five hundred dollars. Dude, I need some extra money. I have been looking for a new part-time well, job. This is this is how it starts. You can all say you were listening. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show. A man made supremely uncomfortable by this whole discussion, but with a dulcet voice of his own. CNN radio correspondent Bob Costantini. Bob, uh, what are you wearing? Um, well, I'm wearing a suit. Okay, you're not going to get anywhere with that. Sorry Same about that. Raincoat, maybe, with nothing underneath. No, no, no. Rick. Just a suit. I'm saying, no, I'm saying if he were to practice for this for this line of work. Please, I want to have Bob on the show again. <laughs> Sorry, Bob. How are you doing today? I mean, not um, counting doing, the last 30 seconds. Doing very nicely. All right. Really. Um, uh, just, I uh, was at the White House today for a little bit, uh, so I decided to make sure I wore a nice suit, or a decent suit. At the White House earlier, and now you're talking to me about this, sort of. Yes. And so you really covered the whole spectrum today, Bob. I've covered I've covered it all. Excellent. Hey, uh, let me ask you this: Were you there covering the pardoning of the turkey? Oh, sure. Yeah. Does everybody there kind of look around and go, "God, we have degrees in journalism. Why are we here?" Uh, no, it's uh, it's it's one of these traditions that dates back to Harry Truman. So, and um, I was under the feeling, at least, I, I thought that the president, because of the economic situation, that the president might make a few, uh, you know, uh, poignant comments regarding. Uh, the economy and the fact that a lot of Americans are feeling the pinch or hurting uh, this time of year. He did not say that uh, much about it. Um, he did uh, wish his mother well. Uh, she's uh, in the hospital and um, also just said that you know, it was an honor. He was thankful for the idea that he'd been president of the United States uh, for eight years. Yeah. The uh, All right. Well, there you go. And does he read the whole um, – does he like have a whole scroll thing that he unfurls and reads? Uh, they've done that in the past, but uh, they probably not don't let year. George Bush read much these yeah. days. Um, and, and usually, um, you know, it's it's a you know presentation of a pardon or something like that that the president does, and it's it's all a, a rollicking good time, if you will. Um, 
but uh, and then, then there are lots of kids uh, who come. Uh, White House staffers bring some of their children sometimes. What, now, what, how does who? That is a dumb question. Who selects the turkey he's going to pardon? The Turkey Producers <laughs> Association. Uh, <laughs> the name of it escapes me at the moment. Really? But I mean, yeah. so it's not like somebody from the staff who picks the most photogenic turkey. Oh no, no, it's uh, it's the uh, the turkey producers um, who have their, um, you know, they they probably have a, a little lobbying arm here in Washington at some point. Um, just like everyone else. Uh, but then the turkeys get a nice plane ride out to Disneyland. Are you kidding um, me? Where they, yes, this is true. It's good that we're doing everything we can to keep the economy in tip-top shape. Yes. Plane ride to a theme park for a, ch- a chicken, for a turkey. First-class tickets to Disneyland where they take part in the um, uh, holiday parades out there. I this love this true, country. I, swear. I really do. I really do love this country with everything. Somewhere there was a guy assembling a small pile of tumbleweeds and sticks to feed to his family in some horrible country somewhere. Meanwhile, we are flying a turkey so that it can march next to an imaginary rodent at Disneyland. They uh, they do very well. There are two turkeys that he pardoned uh, today, uh, pecan and pumpkin. And they do get the nice trip to Disneyland first class on United Airlines across the country. You know, it's things like this that are going to make the rest of the world uh, respect us again as a leader among nations. Um, yes. All right. Well, all expenses paid trip to Disneyland. Of course, no, of course, Turkey can't be expected to pay its own way. That's in, that's inhuman. And they're the grand marshals of the Disney Thanksgiving Day. Parade. They're not the grand marshals. Now you that's what making, they say. A turkey can't be a grand marshal, Bob. <laughs> How would it even hold the little baton thing? What is it? I mean, really, what is it doing? Does the, I think you're thinking of a drum major. You putting it in the front of the car or something? <laughs> And is it, is it expected I, to wave to the crowd? Um, having never been to that particular parade, I, I don't know what they do or how they. Uh, you Isn't know, this a bit of a step down? Wasn't Ed McMahon the Grand Marshal last year? <laughs> okay, the Grand Marshal doesn't Maybe even a have human to, Grand Marshal. Grand Marshal doesn't even have to be a person anymore. Doesn't even have to be human. Next year it'll just be a banana slug. Yes. All right. Well, there you go. Hey, uh, on a kind of a quasi-serious note. Sure. The, the, speaking of the actual pardons. I really was wondering, is anyone reading this, reading this list the other day, people at George Bush's pardon? And it's like drug dealers and embezzlers and whatever. Sure. How do they – these aren't people that have been wrongly convicted. These are people like have been convicted and are serving time for crimes they committed. How do they pick who gets pardoned? Well, they tend to, uh, tend to think that um... – uh, you know that certain people who may have been wrongly convicted, or not necessarily not necessarily wrongly convicted, but might have been in the wrong place at the wrong time, uh, these are not generally hardcore criminals. They may be, you know, people who got caught up in something small or large. It's hard to say, but you can apply. And I mean, we went through a lot of this with the uh, the Clinton administration with their um, their pardons, uh, but it, it's. Just the, the idea that you know it's it's someone who tends to be uh, not necessarily career criminal may have gotten caught up in something or may have gotten caught up in a uh, loop in the law uh, that kind of thing is the way it generally works and um, this president in particular is not used it all that much. I guess you know and I guess it's good that we do that that we pardon people who maybe yeah. you said you know uh, got caught up in some weird cog in the system but. By the same token, now that I think, I don't mean to be Johnny Buzzkill of it every sure. day, but isn't it, isn't it kind of creepy when you think about it? Because when whoever, I mean, whether it's George W. Bush or whoever, steps up and pardons, like, let's say, 12 people because he says, well, look, they uh, they got caught up in a weird loophole or some snarl in the criminal justice system. That is like a de facto admission that our system really doesn't work all that well. 
No, I'm not. I mean, I'm really. I'm not trying to be yeah. flip. When when George Bush pardons 12 people, and let's say some of them are, as you put it, uh, maybe people who really oughtn't to be in prison, or they did get yeah. caught up in a weird sort of little snarl in the criminal justice system. It is this strange sort of. Nobody really talks about this. It is this strange sort of de facto admission that the system is kind of broken and probably just incarcerates people all the time that shouldn't be there. Well, um, needless to say, any one of us can get caught up in something along the way. Not, not. No, I'm above reproach, Bob. Speak for yourself. <laughs> but uh, um, it's um, you know there were uh, there were people trying to get uh, mm. pardons for British witches. Really? <laughs> see. Like, wait, British witches like now or from way back then? From way back, uh, they were executed. So. Are we trying to pardon people that are, in fact, dead? That seems like a non-judicious use of our resources, Bob. I don't know, but it will always be somewhat controversial um, in that the party that tends not to be in the White House will will make uh, accusations right. about right. what the president's up to. Um, you know, we saw a lot of this uh, with the... Uh, the, the rich pardon in uh, you know, right, the end of right. Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton, so. yeah. Well, it is, it is interesting, by the way, and very telling, that these presidential pardons are always right as he's got one foot out the door. Yeah. That's always a an indication it, yeah, that, he's, a, that he's about to pardon at least one guy who's probably just a bastard. You know, it's a whole lot of, yoink, and I'm out. You know, it's kind of before you can do anything. So, all right. Big plans for Thanksgiving, Bob. Um, our uh, daughters are in, and uh, the one from college, um, visiting now um and we're planning on just having a sort of a brunch kind of thing while they then run off to other uh friends boyfriends that kind of stuff what kind of uh what kind of pie is uh favored in the costantini household <laughs> that's a good question i i i my wife likes pumpkin but i don't like pumpkin are you saying um, that, where do you go following the big pecan question i am a on the pecan question yeah, yeah I, I don't care for them are you getting pecan pie you don't care for i, I don't care no Sorry, I don't even know who you are anymore, Bob. Egg custard is my uh, egg custard. You, you like you like pecan pie. An egg custard pie? Yeah, not not necessarily for Thanksgiving. It's not really a tradition. Um, Tim, you're an American. Have you ever heard of an egg custard pie? <laughs> I haven't. It maybe a, a custard delicacy. pie. That's like having a, a cottage cheese pie. pie, Bob. That doesn't make any sense. A custard pie without coconut. All right. Well, whatever. All right. I, I guess it's I guess different strokes. Whatever makes you happy, sir. I. Uh, it's I, um, I guess it's all part of the tapestry of life here in the That's United right. States. That's why we have a great country, and we can pardon people. <laughs> and, um, and chickens, or turkeys, yeah, whatever. Yeah, turkeys. Um, all right. Well, you know, well, on that note, it's a Mail fraud people. I finally got the list to called up here. Someone convicted of mail fraud. There was at least uh, one guy who was, like, selling the heroin or something, I think. So. Uh, yes, stolen motor vehicles. Um, That's great. As somebody who has had his truck stolen three times, I'm glad that George W. Bush is pardoning car thieves. Thanks so much. Uh, well, in all seriousness, happy Thanksgiving to you and your family. You Bob. and your family as well. Talk to you soon. There Thank you, go. you guys. Bob, Take care. There you go. Thanks so much. Oh, by the way, here's another thing we're missing out on because we're going to be gone tomorrow. Andy, the homeschool kid, who had his cinnamon rolls when he came in? I believe I had one. Sarah? I had one as well. Unbelievably good. Mm -hmm. He was going to make us pecan pie from scratch for tomorrow. Now oh. he's going to be like, you're not getting any pie. Sorry, Andy, the homeschool kid. And sorry to me, Rick Emerson. I love pie. Uh, here's Tim Riley. So the question is, why don't people eat turkey all year round? Especially, you know, for people that are looking for, you know, a product that has uh, lower calories and a lower cholesterol level, you know, turkey breast meat without the skin, you know, really fits that bill. If you do squish it, it does have a, uh, a reaction. It emits a, an acid that can cause, like, dermatitis to people. 
We've heard everything from, you know, sawing their turkey um, in a jacuzzi or, you know, just the, the, the possibilities really are endless. Excellent. All right. Well, there you go. So uh, I don't even really listen. I didn't listen to the answer. Why don't we eat turkey around him? I wasn't listening either. All right. Excellent. Fantastic. Holiday mode, thy name is us. Well, stitches and staples may soon be a thing of the past. Is that a children's television show? Yes, it is. But about accidents? Mm-hmm. I'm stitches. I'm staples. And welding may be the wave of the future. A world's first, a team of applied physicists has developed a safe and effective way to close incisions using a laser. A team at Tel Aviv University found a way to maintain laser heat at a specific temperature, so the incision is essentially welded shut. The scientists said this minimizes the risk of infection scars and helps speed up the heating process. The development is groundbreaking medical technology, says Professor Abraham Katzor. He said... Uh, it From is, the planet Zarknon. If used, it can be used easily by medics on the battlefield as well by plastic surgeons and other surgical specialists. Why do they call it plastic surgery? Because it's plastic. That's a non-answer and incorrect. That's probably true. Try again. Does anybody know why they call it plastic surgery? No. I don't really uh, care. Maybe originally it was plastic. Maybe. Okay, now What's that Michael might... Jackson made out of? That might... I don't know. I would imagine just uh, sticks at this point mm-hmm. and dirt. Um... Uh, you know, don't call about it. I don't care that much. All right, let's do one more, and then we'll take a break. We'll come back. Uh, when, are we talking to Steve Castamount? Do we know? Yes. One thirty. Yes. Ish. Oh well, we should, we should break then. Yeah. Now. Now. Then. Now is then. Then oh. is the new now. Okay. All right, we're gonna break. Uh, Steve Castamount for the Macy's Day Parade after this. Uh, later. Oh, we got a player. Tony Bennett interview. Keep forgetting about that. Tony Bennett, Aaron Duran, top five and more. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Don't go anywhere. We were talking about Nickelback. I swear to God, we were in the hallway talking about Nickelback. That's why we were late back in the studio here. All right. Why, hello. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Thank you for coming along. It's 503-733-2970. Uh, still to come today, play back our interview with Tony Bennett uh, that I typed this morning. Let's see. What else? Um, I mean, it's going to sound fake, too. It's not going to sound live. I'm not going to try to pass it off as... That's Tony Bennett. That's yeah, and, yeah, totally. I mean, it's, you know, and he was, you know, nothing groundbreaking. He was cool, though. Um, and then you realize, here's the thing about Tony Bennett. The thing I didn't, can I just tell you this? I don't think I, oh, we got Steve Kastamon to get to. Um, I will say this one thing. So, <coughs> pardon me. When we were getting these, uh, uh, this interview book with Tony Bennett, and Susan Reynolds was the one who kind of lined that up for us. Um, so, uh, so thanks to, I don't know, I don't think she's listening. She's uh, out of town. But so Susan Reynolds took the Tony Bennett thing up. And they, you know, they sent the pre-interview packet. Where it's like, here's the new record, you know, because they want you to plug his new album. So, like, here, here's the new record, and here's a brief bio, and here's the call information. And it actually said, on the Tony Bennett, like, interview packet they sent us, it said three different times in huge, bold letters. I wish I brought it with me to actually read it word for word, but it said, um, uh, let's see, please keep this a respectful interview. And then it says, Mr. Bennett has no tolerance for... Crazy DJ shenanigans. That's actually the phrase they used. 
Mr. Bennett has no tolerance for crazy DJ shenanigans. Awesome. Sir, it was like three times, and they made it very clear. Like, if you start screwing with him, like, he's, like the interview's over. Like, he will hang up. He's Tony Bennett. He has no time for you. All right. Let's welcome now to the Rick. I'm sorry to worry. I was shenanigan-free. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from New York City. CNN Radio Correspondent Steve Kastenbaum. Hello, sir. Hey, Rick. And you can also say he has no time for any cockamamie balloons at a Thanksgiving Day parade. you got to use pull up those words that, you know, only somebody from his era would use. Cockamamie. Cockamamie really is Cockamamie right. is a good word. It really is. Or, or uh, what did they used to say in Mad Magazine? For Schlurgener or whatever. <laughs> whatever the hell that word is. Hey, so where, where are you at right now? I am at where the Thanksgiving Day Parade, Macy's Parade, starts every year at the outside the Museum of Natural History on Central Park West by Central Park. Uh, and there are thousands and thousands of parents and children uh, circling the building and watching as they blow up the balloons for and the so, uh, Thanksgiving Day Parade. And so what is the uh, what is the temperature like there right now? Actually, not too bad. We're in the mid-40s, and that's what we're looking at uh, tomorrow. We're looking at a high uh, in the mid-tupper 40s. So it won't be too bad. No rain. It's a little cloudy right now, but we don't think it's going to rain tomorrow. So so an average year, weather-wise. So here's the thing the I wonder sometimes about the Macy's Day thing. So you got how many how many balloons are there? How, how many of them are there? Well, there's dozens because we have the large ones. And then we have the smaller balloons that they call falloons. Uh, they're, they're smaller, and uh, the falloon is a combination of a balloon and, like, a float. Ah. So it's got, like, a motorized mechanism with wheels, you know, beneath it, you know, making it go down uh, Center Park West and Broadway, but it's filled with helium. So I, here's the thing I wonder is, like, you watch the Macy's Day Parade, and occasionally you'll see, like, a balloon for a thing that nobody cares about anymore, like the Garfield balloon or something. And so my the, deal is, like... If you want to, if you have some uh, exciting new property and you want a balloon of it in the in the in the print, do you basically have to wait for some other character to like die or fall out of favor or something to get a slot? Well, no, they do rotate in uh, some of the older balloons. You know, some of the favorites. Uh, they, you know, they, they'll keep it in the parade for a while and then uh, give him a break and bring in another one that hasn't been in for a while. But then also, you know, you know, companies obviously pay to be in the parade. So there are some balloons that are new every year. And, and uh, for instance, you see the Energizer Bunny. He's in the parade. Uh, Buzz, Buzz Lightyear right. is in the parade right. this year. Yeah, so, so that's, uh, that's, a, that's a very popular balloon. But obviously the company, you know, that, that made the movie Buzz Lightyear, you know, uh, did not just all of a sudden get lucky. And they said, hey, we're going to have a Buzz Lightyear balloon in the parade. You know, they pay for that honor. But, it's, you know, that's how it works. You know, it's, it's an extremely expensive undertaking. You know, this is one of the largest uh, events that takes place in New York City every year, and Macy's goes all out. There's two things that Macy's does here in New York that, that really makes uh, it unique here. Uh, the, the, the parade uh, that the entire country watches, and then they do the Fourth of July fireworks over the East River. And, you know, they, they sort of, you know, they do it out of the goodness of their hearts, you know, for years now. you, you got to give them props for that. Well, they also, do the, uh, they also do Santa Land, right? Yes, yes, they do that as well, correct. Yes, yeah, so, uh, of course, it's, you know, made famous in the Santa Land Diaries. Uh, well, not made famous, but it depicted in the Santa Land there. What is it? What's being announced behind you there? Oh, it's a, it's a, a uh, an employee here from Macy's uh, mm -hmm. telling people that you know you go around the corner and you see some more balloons. You can see uh, it's Sponge, um, SpongeBob SquarePants. Uh, I think Kermit the Frog is around the corner. Uh, I purposely sat near the uh, stood near the guy so you could hear what's going on behind you know, me. You know what I want? I want some uh, record company to float the money, so to speak, to uh, one of these years in the Macy's Day Parade. Have that thing, have that huge balloon. 
Have that huge inflatable balloon from Pink Floyd's The Wall, where it's the school teacher beating the kid with a stick. Oh, that's awesome. I like I'm telling that. you, man, that's money. That's money right there. You get that older demographic with that. Uh, I like that. Well, right. actually, you know what? I have to be honest. I think some of the adults here enjoy this much more than the kids do because today the the balloons, as they're blown up, they're kept under nets and held down by sandbags, right? So you know, tomorrow's the really cool day when they're flying down the street. But you know, today they, you know some of them, you know, they're face down on the street. It's kind of hard to tell what oh, they wait look a like. And hold on, hold yeah. on. So I don't have any kids, so I didn't know this. So wait, the float isn't even today. They're just blowing up the balloons today. Oh yeah, they just blow up the balloons today. Tomorrow's the parade. You know, the the annual Macy's Thanksgiving Day parade is tomorrow. Oh. Kicks off at 9 a.m. Yeah. What kind of miserable parent takes their kid to see a piece of plastic inflated? <laughs> Let's make a day of it, son. Pack a lunch. Uh, you should see what goes on here, Rick. You know, there was one year here when uh, the temperature was like 65 degrees, unusually warm, on the day before the parade, and there was a three-hour wait down Columbus Avenue to get in to see the balloons that year. I, you know, I, I think you're onto something when you say it's the parents who were into it, because let's be honest, in an era of the Internet and Xbox and, you know, just a billion channels of entertainment. The idea that you're going to sit there and watch a slow-moving, crudely rendered piece of plastic Snoopy, walk, you know, move down the street, and that that's going to hold your kid's attention, that's wishful thinking, I think. Uh, oh, you know who else enjoys this? I, I, I just looked down the street and I saw... Uh, one of Mayor Bloomberg's official photographers. So that means the mayor is uh, probably walking around here right now. Hey, there ought, be, uh, there ought to be an Elliot Spitzer, uh, uh, you know, uh, a float of some kind. Well, I'm pretty sure Elliot Spitzer has a, a blow-up doll, not a blow-up balloon. Wow, wow. <laughs> All right, on that note, sir, uh, happy Thanksgiving to you. We will talk to you very soon, Steve. Hey, enjoy the turkey if you're having one, or a, a tofurkey if you're a vegetarian, Indeed. and uh, I'll speak to you guys soon. All right, thank you. There you Hi, go. Steve. Steve Kastenbaum in New York City. All right, there you go. Blow-up doll. All right, there you go. Wouldn't that be a genius idea, though, a giant parade balloon inflatable like blow-up doll? How great would that be? Totally. But I think they ought to do the Pink Floyd thing. They should, or like, or just the pig, the huge inflatable Pink Floyd pig. Uh, and they could do it, the record company could do it to promote some box set or something. And the pig would be great because it's not offensive. Like, it's not weird, like the school teacher beating the kid. Mm-hmm. You could get, like, that big Pink Floyd pig uh, that is famous, and you could carry that to the Macy's Day Parade, and the kids would just be like, oh, it's a pig, but the adults would be like, Floyd. All right. Uh, let's see. What are we going to do today still? Uh, Aaron Duran's going to be here. Uh, we got the uh, Tony Bennett uh, interview to play back. Jesus, what else? Uh, more from Tim Riley, of course. Oh, we got to figure out the thing with your tattoos. Yes, I need help. Yeah, we got to do that. Got to do that. Got to do that. Uh, let's see. What else? Oh, don't forget. So a week from this coming Sunday, one week from this coming Sunday, so it is Sunday, December 7th, uh, we are uh, proud to unveil CBS Radio Theater. Uh, CBS Radio Theater debuts Sunday, December 7th, 6 p.m., uh, right here. Two live back-to-back radio dramas, uh, like the days of old, kids. Um, have we played the uh, Have we played the, the, the teasers for those? For the what? For the for the CBS Radio Theater. Have I played the teasers yet? No, I haven't heard any of them. I guess they're in rotation in the system, but they haven't come up yet. Who wants to hear them? I do. I do. All right. Uh, and, Tim, if I can, uh, just a little bit of uh, well, I should be talking to you about this off the air. At some point, Tim, I might prevail upon you to record uh, a couple of things in advance for this, if you don't mind too terribly much. Well, I suppose It'll I be could. right up your alley. It's, it's exactly the kind of thing that will work well for you. I like alleys. All right. <laughs> and cheese. Uh, not, so, not cheese, though, so much. All right, let's see. Uh, okay, I'm going to play these. These are so. This is coming Sunday, December sixth. I'm sorry, Sunday, December seventh, uh, Pearl Harbor Day, I believe. Sunday, December seventh, six p.m. Immediately preceding Musicology. It's called CBS Radio Theater. That's sort of the overall. Uh, but within that, 
There's two back-to-back radio dramas, an episode each of two radio dramas. And uh, one of them is retro, you know, sort of set in a previous in an earlier time. One of them takes place now, uh, but they're both written from scratch, uh, written by Aaron Duran uh, and uh, directed by our good friend Jason Crump. Uh, and then I know there's been a lot of other, you know, like uh, Fat Boy has, has pitched in with that, a lot of help there. Uh, our good friend Kristen from accounting is going to be providing some music for this. Um, I was there when there was the meeting of the minds at, um, at Diana and Aaron's wedding. It's going to be pretty badass. Uh, a lot of voice talent from inside the building is going to be working on this. So there's two back-to-back episodes of radio drama. One is called AZ, uh, and one is called uh, The Crimson Mist. Uh, so I'm going to play both of these here. I'm just going to—I don't even know which ones are which. So I'm going to play these in no particular order. So these are the teases that are playing. When there is no more room in hell, the dead will walk through Portland. AZ is coming. CBS Radio Theater debuts Sunday, December 7th at 6 p.m. Only on AM 970, The Talker. How cool is that? That cool. sounds very foreboding. It is. It's going to be badass. Uh, have I given the description of what it is? No. We got trailer, like full promos that are going to show next week. I might have well, screwed it. It's over a holiday. So uh, the two dramas are, one is called AZ, and that's this one. And it takes place in... It's the zombie one, right? Yes. AZ stands for After Zombies, and it takes place in current, contemporary, modern-day Portland, like a now, in Portland, Oregon. Uh, but it is... Southeast? Well, parts of it, actually, yes. I saw in Southeast the other day. Actually, you know what? That wouldn't surprise me. I shouldn't give this away, but oh, I won't give it away. But I will say that actually this debut episode of AZ, and then we're going to pick it up, you know, in the new year. We'll pick up a, like a more regular broadcast schedule. But this debut episode of AZ, uh, which is part of CBS Radio Theater, uh, and again, everything going to be performed live in the studio. You know, all the acting live, you know, sound effects really to be created or played live. Uh, Kristen Holovny is doing the music for that, so it's all very exciting. But um, uh, but I will say that there is a sequence that takes place. I'll put it this way, Sarah. In this premiere episode of AZ, mm-hmm. which, again, the great thing about it is, the great gimmick, and I can't take credit for this, it's all Aaron and Jason, that it takes place in modern-day contemporary Portland, just the Portland we know and love, but, again, it's once the zombie uprising has, has happened. Um, there is a scene, a long sequence that takes place at, um, it takes place somewhere that you uh, spend, uh, I would say, a good amount of time. You know what's funny is when I was heading up to a, uh, one of the places that I spend a good lot of time at, Kelsey and I, were, it was late at night and we were riding our bikes up and it was really foggy outside and, all, and there were absolutely no people outside. Right. And all of a sudden we just keep seeing cop cars and cop cars and cop cars and we see these weird people shuffling in the cars like, oh my God. Zombies. Seriously. Like, for a second there, we're like, the zombie apocalypse is happening. No. And then we started talking about where we were going to go. I'll write down actually so you know. There's a little bit of a, uh, let's see. Hold on. I'm just going to write this down for Sarah and then I'll uh, play the rest of these. It's probably not a place you're thinking of. It takes right there. Okay. I do spend a lot of time there. So uh, it's that location, and that is in southeast Portland. I'm oh, actually going so, there today. Really? Yeah. So there you go. And there's a whole nerve-wracking sequence that takes place. I'm going to play that one more time. When there is no more room in hell, the dead will walk through Portland. AZ is coming. CBS Radio Theater debuts Sunday, December 7th at 6 p.m. Only on AM 970, The Talker. It's fantastic. All right, so that's the first one. Um, I think the second one is either the generic tease or it's the tease for the second play. Uh, let's second drama. Let's see. From the crackling dial, directly into your imagination, the golden age of broadcast begins again. CBS Radio Theater, coming Sunday, December 7th at 6 p.m., only on AM 970, The Talker. So that's the new one. Awesome. That's the generic one. And then, okay, so there's AZ is the first of them. The second one is called uh, The Crimson Mist, and it is a old-school-style superhero drama. 
Um, it takes place in Portland, Oregon, in 1943. So the first one, AZ, takes place in modern-day Portland. The Crimson Mist is an old-school, old-fashioned, sort of primary colors, you might call it, uh, superhero drama that takes place in 1943 Portland. Will there be a theme every time he changes into his costume? There are going to be musical themes, musical stings. Uh, but it is, yeah, it is, it is uh, uh, kind of in the style of the shadow, you know. Um, it is the, uh, totally, exactly. And what was the other one that, J- that Jason was telling me? The shadow and, I don't know, dash danger or something. One of those old, you know, like, who can stand up against the evil menace? Only one man can protect the city. Uh, that's the Crimson Mist. Here's the tease for that. In 1943, America was at war. Evil seemed omnipresent, and only one man could make our city safe. The thrilling adventures of The Crimson Mist. CBS Radio Theater debuts Sunday, December 7th at 6 p.m. Only on AM 970, The Talker. So he sprays something crimson onto himself? I'm I'm not going to reveal it, Tim. I can't give away the Crimson Mist's secrets. Um... So I've uh, I've read them both. Here's and not to not to just you know, not to make Aaron not to give Aaron another ulcer by you know, raising the stakes even further. I'll tell you this. Uh, I read the script for AZ, which is great. I uh, knew it would be. And then he gave me the script. He sent me. He's like, here's the script for the Crimson Mist. I think I, I the first episode. I forget what it's called, but it's like the Crimson Mist in the Secret of the Blah 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 Blah. I go to my, get my haircut, and I'm uh, sitting there at Bishop's. I get my haircut and. I did something I never do. First of all, they make me take off my glasses, you know, because I got to like cut around the whatever, you know, the, the edge of my hair or something. So they, but they take off the glasses. I actually sat there while getting my hair cut, and I asked, per, and I'm like, can I? Will it bother you if I read? And my vision is terrible, but I actually held the script for the Crimson Mist like an inch away from my face and squinted and actually read the entire thing through a blurry haze while getting my hair cut because it was so good. I just because uh, I didn't want to because I didn't want to stop. It was uh, too good. I want to put it down. So. Anyway, so that uh, that debuts Sunday, December 7th, 6 p.m., uh, right here on this uh, fine CBS radio station. What? Maybe I'm sorry. I was trying to... We still need to get this lip reading. You don't need to take a lip reading class. Well, sometimes it's... it's I can read your lips. But sometimes I look up late, and I only catch the last, the last two-thirds, half. and there's no contest. Well, do you want to do a little bit of news and then come back? Wait, who else do we have? Uh, Aaron's going to stop in. Right? Yeah, we're going to talk to Jim Roop at like 2 or 5. And how long is your interview with Tony Bennett? Like seven minutes. Okay. So we got Rupert to a file, like seven minutes of Tony Bennett, little Aaron. Yes. So well, let's do a little news here. Ladies and gentlemen, at the Ministry of Truth. And now, though, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. A proposal by the newest tenants of the White Stag Building could spark some controversy over a Portland landmark. We're talking about the Made in Oregon sign. They want to change it to say, University of Oregon, the UFO opened its offices, classrooms, and the duck shop inside that building. The sign was originally made for the White Satan Sugar Company. It's been the White Stag sign before. For, for, for the, the what? The White Satan Sugar Company. It's also been a White Stag sign, hence the deal with the lights of Rudolph during the holidays. The main Oregon headquarters was the most recent tenant before the U of O. Imagine a 51-year-old woman dressed up wearing high heels, ranting at the top of her lungs as she climbs into a high school dumpster. Let's all imagine it now. I am imagining that. That'll be the follow-up to the Crimson Mist. Just that, that happening that over and over. That scene of the Sutton Middle School in Atlanta. The school's principal, Andre Sopato, called police telling them that Christy Rowe was so disruptive, staffers asked her to leave the school grounds. Rowe, a local real estate investor, admits she was ticked at the time, but explained she climbed into the dumpster searching for her son's science project. 
Roe had taken the project in a cardboard box to a science classroom door and left it there. Rather than taking it into the room, she returned a few minutes later to discover the box missing. It had been uh, collected by a janitor who threw it into the dumpster. Roe caught up with the custodian at the dumpster, ordered him to retrieve the box. He refused to do so. What's in the box? Telling police. He saw this wide-eyed, ranting stranger. She jumped right in like an Olymp Olympic gymnast. Adding insult to injury, Rose said she never did find that project. Only a pedestal that was that it had been glued to and her son. She claims her son doesn't even care. All he cares about is video games. He does get full credit for the project, and his high-profile mom has not been arrested. The story is such a long and winding road. I don't even know it where really we ended up here. It's two paragraphs long. All right. So, Sarah, do you want to... Uh, we'll do a few more uh, stories here. Do you want to do the Bennett thing later or before the break? Gosh, What's I can't hit my this? microphone button. Uh, it's only uh, <laughs> like an on and an off. That's it. <laughs> Sweet Lord. Uh, break and then Bennett. All right, okay. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Is this me? Yes, it is, sir. Hello. Uh, hey, I was just wondering if you're going to do a podcast of those um, radio plays you're doing. Yes, they will be uh, streamed and they will also be archived online. Yes. Awesome. Thanks. All right, thank you. All right, here's Tim Riley. Howard Dean has confirmed he will step down as chairman of the Democratic National Committee, but remains tight-lipped on work for President-elect Barack Obama. <laughs> a lot of things he'll pursue for Americans, quote, whether it be in or out of the administration. He adds, one thing you don't talk about in Washington, if you're smart, is transition. Dean said it's a good time to leave and for Obama to leave the Democratic Party. Dean also said, now we have a party that can win. <laughs> and win back the old Confederacy. Okay. Did he really say that? Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, meanwhile, a White House Hanukkah party invitation with a picture of a Christmas tree isn't getting a warm reception. <laughs> really? From yeah. the White House? <laughs> yeah. The uh, New York Post Oy reports the invitation for President Bush and the First Lady request the pleasure of your company at a Hanukkah reception under the image of a Christmas tree. That's great. Well, the Jewish community <laughs> calls it absolutely bizarre. Yeah, it's not even... I would... I mean... I can't speak for the whole Jewish community, Tim. Uh, I would say that it's not even really offensive so much as it's just weird. Mm -hmm. Although I think, wasn't it Susan who said that she can, she continually tried to get her mom to like it? No, 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 mom, it's a Hanukkah shrub. Mm -hmm. Come on, come on. Hanukkah bush. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like, you know, and look, not to knock anybody's uh, whatever, but, you know, I grew up down the street from some Jehovah's Witnesses kids. Boy, they just seem miserable all the time. Yeah, they don't have to have Christmas. No, they don't. Or well, they're not allowed to have No, Christmas. they couldn't have Christmas. They couldn't have, I, it, no, I don't think. I don't, Birthdays. I don't think they could do birthdays either. Just a grim, drab, humorless, lifeless, joyless existence those kids seem to have. Mm -hmm. So No, it right. is true. No, nah, yeah. Nah. Apple is holding a one-day sale. Apple is having a sale, yes, on Black Friday, which is this Friday. They'll offer discounts up to 50%. It's not clear if the iPhone is one of the items that will be discounted. But iPod, digital media players, and accessories will be reduced up to 15%. Why is it called Black Friday? I don't know. It's a day after Thanksgiving and the traditional day to kick off the holiday shopping. But, I mean... Now that I think about it, that that then doesn't make any sense. No, isn't, it isn't Black Friday? I mean, it, isn't it? Don't they always use the the the, the black descriptor when um I, I sound like I, I you know what it is? I sound like that scene in uh I sound like that scene in Malcolm X uh where he's where the guy's showing him the definition of like black and white and how it's like the man you know the the man's way to uh you know to keep down the other man's way to keep down the brother man. Mm -hmm. But don't when they say Black Friday, isn't like the day the Wall Street the thing, there was that Black Monday mm -hmm. where the market crashed, and then there was a Black Tuesday, which is when the market crashed again. So this is Black Friday, but it's a day when everybody's spending money. Mm -hmm. that I seems don't like think a, it's going to happen this year. That seems like an inconsistent use of color. It seems like it should be Green Friday. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying. I'm just at, oh, well, whatever. 
clearly I'm the only one who cares. Let's move on. We'll do Nat- one more and then we'll break. Natalie and Jennifer Cavill tend to do things together. Not that Do they, Tim? Mm-hmm. Oh, wait, how old are they? Uh, 22. Oh, do they, Tim? Not that they're overly concerned about school bills, but through sheer fate, emphasized the sheer, they found a way to pay off their student loans to the University of Northern Colorado. Is it a sexy way? They took off their clothes. Really? It is a sexy way. Hooray. Hot dogs. They're identical twins. They'll appear in the uh, oh, they'll appear as Mrs. December in next month's issue of Playboy. Identical twins in Playboy. Good for you, Hugh Hefner. The 22-year-olds say the issue, which hits uh, newsstands Friday, Black Friday, will be an instant hit. Where the twins have lived since they've been two. I don't know if it's true, but I heard that the magazine was sold out. The twins have been living in Southern California now, taking a year-long break from UNC. All it takes is women to move to Southern California, and they do all this stuff. Uh, they are seniors now, and they spoke by telephone. The sisters say they enjoy the birthday suit baptism by fire. <sighs> we were so nervous. We never modeled before. But then we held each other for comfort, and it all turned out Jumping fine. into nude modeling. But they made us feel comfortable, and they're so professional about everything. Does it say with their parents? Do Mr. and Mrs. Nude Twins uh, have anything to say? I'm looking here. Uh, I mean, look, I'm all for nude twin sisters. Uh, they said their parents, Damon and Christy Campbell... Both attended the UNC, and they're very supportive. The twins said their parents both insisted their daughters finish college, but they knew if we didn't post a Playboy, we regret it. And they were right. If our daughters don't strip nude for total strangers to ogle... They'll regret it. They'll regret it for the rest of their lives. Honey, let me impress upon you the importance of satisfying desperate horny guys. Gosh, Differing parental techniques. I'm scared to show my mom two piddly tattoos and they're getting nuded up in front of their dad. But I mean, but, but the not... twins are both uh, a lot alike. But Natalie is more up going at athletic. Both played on the high school volleyball team for four years. Uh, Jennifer is a minute older. She's more laid back and studious. But they're identical twins posing nude, which I guess like is not. Like Elizabeth and uh, Jessica Wakefield for the. Even their boyfriends are supportive of their modeling. The Sweet Valley High reference. Yes, it was Rick Emerson. I didn't know that. <laughs> uh, well, you know that's actually. Here's the thing. I will say this. Now, see, it's too bad we're talking about this now. I got like hours and hours of stuff I could say about Playboy, but um, I'll just say this one thing. I don't think that's a first though, because like a lot of dudes, my you know my grandfather had all these like Playboy magazines and. Um, even though he and my grandmother had split up, she'd never bothered to like clean out the basement. And so whenever she would send me down to the basement for like a can of peas or there, boy, get me some peaches. And I go down to the basement. Let me and... look for peaches of another sort. <laughs> That's right, Tim. Sex peaches. <laughs> Give me my sex peaches. <laughs> uh, but um, but you'd walk down the stairs and the the wall, you know, next to the stairs, the the stairway or whatever, the stairwell. My grandfather had, you know, like in true 50s dude fashion, had stapled up all of these centerfolds he'd taken up. And I do have this crystal clear memory. Guys, I think it's a, a guy thing uh, more than a woman. Thing. I mean, guys have a crystal clear memory of like the first Playboy they ever saw or whatever. But there was this, I'm pretty sure they were identical twins um, with like curly blonde hair standing next to a bunk bed or something. And that was a centerfold. Like it must have been from like the late 50s, early 60s. So. All right. That you know, I think uh, that that is just really weird though, because you'll see that like in in film occasionally, where it's like, well, we haven't we wasn't it Cruel Intentions too, Sarah, where there's like the twin girls who are like making out in the shower. Ew, I don't know. I haven't seen Cruel Intentions too. I have. It was on the. It was on like Showtime or something. I don't understand the, night. the fascination with men wanting to watch like related people make out. No, I'm not. I'm not with that. But uh, but it was just. But I will admit that I watched it because it was just so. 
It's not even that it was hot as such, because I'm with you. It's a little sort of weird. But it was just so weird. Like, I think it was Cruel Intentions too. Manchester Prep. Oh, jeez. Which, I swear to God, there was a sequence where there are twin sisters making out in the shower. And they're clearly real twins. They're not like fake twins. And you got to wonder, like, how much money... But it couldn't have been that much. It was Cruel Intentions too. What could the budget... How good could craft services be that you do that? So, all right. Well, I guess... Jennifer, Jennifer says... She doesn't dread the possibility of running across one of her pictures on a fellow student's wall. I honestly think that if that were to happen, it's going to excite me on KCMD Portland. It's very flattering to me, and obviously, uh, if they do recognize us walking by and want us to sign a picture, we'll be more than happy to do so. All right. Well, let's take a break. I feel all oogie about this. Uh, back after this, uh, your phone calls around the corner. Aaron Duran, uh, we will talk to Jim Roop, and of course, our interview with Tony Bennett. Stay there, it's the Rick Emerson Show. Don't go anywhere. This sounds like that uh, Send Me an Angel song, kind of, by real life. It does, kind of. The Rick Emerson Radio Program. This is from Cruel Intentions, is it not? It is. It's the opening song to Cruel Intentions, which is a fantastic movie. Sarah Michelle Gellar. That's really one of the only good movies she's ever done. Mm-hmm. Oh, I found more information on Cruel Intentions, too. We'll talk about that in a bit. Uh, plus, uh, our interview with Tony Bennett. We'll have that here in a few. Aaron Duran. Oh, and we're going to help uh, Sarah get over the shame at the tattoos. Uh, you know, with her Thank mom you. and so forth. Well, I'm trying to help. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show. From Los Angeles, senior radio correspondent Jim Roof. Hello, sir. Howdy. All right. So, well, let's get right to it. So there's a verdict in this MySpace thing, but it's, it's you know, it's pretty minor, right? Well... I don't know if I'd call it minor. Uh, well, what is it? Maybe I've, I've only heard bits and pieces. We had a headline earlier, but I knew you were going to be talking about it. So there, so Lori Drew, who was the woman in this MySpace thing, where she pretended to be a boy and then befriended and then kind of crushed this poor girl who then hung herself. Um, so, I mean, everybody knows the story by now. What, what, what is the resolution? What, what, is, what, what are the facts here? Well, the jury deadlocked on the major conspiracy count. So the judge con- considered that or declared that a mistrial, right. which means... She could be retried on that. Oh, excellent. Uh, what they did do, they and they did not find her guilty on the other three felonies, counts two, three, and four, but what they did was find her guilty to misdemeanor federal charges. And all that does is reduce the sentence, the maximum sentence, instead of five years per count, it's one year per count, $100,000 fine per count. So that's, So she was convicted, but she wasn't convicted... Uh, uh, with the federal charges as much as she was convicted um, with the uh, with misdemeanor charges. So I mean, what, I'm sorry, felony as but with, but with misdemeanor. So and what is she? Uh, so what is she facing here? I mean, what is the upshot of this in terms of She's what she's facing? Be? Up to three years in prison, three hundred thousand dollar fine. Three years in prison, three hundred thousand dollar fine, which seems, I would say, a little bit on the light side, considering the result of her 
Frank? Considering yeah. there's a 13-year-old girl who's going to stay 13 forever, uh, I-, I would say that that seems uh, that seems a little bit like uh, in wrist-slapping territory to me. Yeah, but you know what? The jury had a lot to, to grapple with, and, and I-, I think they did the best they could with what they had because, y- you know, I mean, it was it was the former assistant who admitted to set up the profile, and Lori Drew didn't see the um, see the terms, the agreement. Mm-hmm. Uh, that you can't set up a fake profile. And, and I think what they thought was, okay, maybe she didn't, wasn't too hands-on, but she's 49 years old and has to know that, that was, that's, a, that's a wrong thing to do. So I think they found her guilty with what they could, um, hoping that it was just enough that the judge wouldn't throw it out because he still has to rule yet on that motion to dismiss that was filed by the uh, defense on Friday. Well, and so, okay, here's another question. I'm throwing a lot of you here, but so what, who else was involved with this on some level that has not been, you know, with it? Lori Drew's daughter, Sarah, right. and the uh, assistant, uh, Grills, uh, Ashley Grills. All right. Those and, are, those, it was those three. And she was, I, I, I thought, and I think I mentioned this yesterday, that if any count they wouldn't find her guilty on uh, would be the conspiracy because right. there are no other people um, charged in the conspiracy, and you got to have more than one. So uh, that's probably where they got goofed up there. But um, it's the other the other charges: uh, accessing computer without authorization, with the intent to um, uh, inflict emotional distress or whatever the verbiage is. Right, right. Um, I think they and they found the misdemeanor as opposed to the felony, so that. It could, it would stick. At least that's that's what I'm guessing. I haven't been able to speak to any jurors. All right. Well, I mean, obviously this is going to be one of those things that unfolds, and it'd be, it remains to be seen. I guess if it's going to be retried on some of the stuff, or there's going to be uh, the civil suit uh, about some of these things. And yeah, I don't, it doesn't sound that way from talking with uh, or listening to Tina Myers, Tina Meyer, who is um, the the young girl's mother. It sounds like she's moving on, um, and she you know goes out and speaks against cyberbullying and. Uh, tries to do good in her daughter's name, right, I guess. Right. But I, so I don't know that she's. Uh, there might be, but I don't know. I, I definitely would. <laughs> I will tell you this, and again, I'm just, a, I'm just a, saying this because I believe it's a fact. This is my observation. I do think that probably uh, for the rest of her life, uh, wherever she goes, whatever she does, I would say there's going to be any number of folks on the net who uh, track that woman and her family for the rest of their lives and make sure that wherever they move, people know who they are and and who is living next door. Oh, you're probably right. I mean, that's, you know, and I'm not, I'm not saying she is this, but it's going to be like one of those things where when a sex offender moves in, there's folks who make sure that everybody knows who just moved in down the street. Yeah, um, I mean, this this is a fairly high-profile case, and so, yeah. I mean, she and she has been photographed and videoed, I don't know how many times, so uh, she can't escape this. It's almost yeah. like she's in jail already. Oh, yeah. So, all right, my friend. Uh, big plans for your Thanksgiving. No, I'm working. All right. Well, see, there you go. See, and I, sadly, uh, depending on who you are, I am not actually. So I will. Uh, well, good for you, man. We will. Well, see, there. See, Jim Rope's happy for us. So um, oh, absolutely, I'm happy for anybody to get the day off. <laughs> see, now I feel bad because you're just going to be sitting there just reporting the news and just It'll hating be a everybody. Light day. I'll probably be done, you know, early in the day. Drunk by five. Get a. 3.30. X. Good for you. Thank All right, you. there you go. All right, my friend, as always, uh, best to you and your family. Happy Thanksgiving. We'll talk Thank to you, you next week. Thank you very week. much, my friend. There you go. There's uh, Jim Roof, ladies and gentlemen. Wonderful, excellent, fantastic. All right, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show. 
From GeekInTheCity.com, Aaron Duran. Hello, sir. Hello. How are you? I am good. You know, we should form, like, the anti-Fred Phelps family and just stalk that woman wherever she goes. No. With, like, picket stands behind her. Rick Emerson Show does not advocate stalking. Well, by we, I mean... You. Somebody else. I mean, you... <laughs> you and you alone... Acting with no encouragement by CBS Radio. I would build an army of justice robots. Rick Emerson is not. Rick Emerson is telling you right now, don't stalk anybody. Um, That's a crime. Stalking is actually illegal now. Well, oh, <laughs> I know I'm ruining all of your future fun. That's well, a, what am I going to do this weekend? <laughs> okay. Oh, no, all right. How are you? I'm good, actually. I'm very. I'm good. I'm happy. Good. Happy. Right. And you got the. You guys are doing the big geek fest. Yes, we'll be out the coast this weekend. Uh, there'll be much drinking and eating and passing about. So I was saying it's like the big chill, but with Guitar Hero. Yeah. Oh, this is you guys did this last year, right? Uh, yeah. This is the third year we've done it. Yeah. Yeah. Laura and I went last year, and it was. Uh, I would say it was a good time. Uh, by the by the final day, uh, I remember you know, we were trying to get like a poker game going late at night, <laughs> and really it was Laura and I and Jason and I think. And maybe Scott, but everybody else, we were like, hey, we're going to poker game, man. It's only midnight. What are you doing? And, of course, this is, you know, I'm, I'm like the no fun guy who's sober. <laughs> and everybody else was just like, oh, I wish I was dead. Don't come to my room. Yeah, it's pretty much Dawn of the Dead by Saturday oh, night. Dude, it was, yeah. But can I tell you this? Here's the great thing about it. And I'm not going this year. But, I, but I, last year when we went to the big geek fest at the coast for Thanksgiving, there were, in fact, two whole drawers in the refrigerator that were filled with nothing but bacon. Yes. I mean, there was, I think, 14 pounds of bacon. And that will be bottom. happening this year. Yeah. And uh, Diana and Aaron are, are making uh, bacon-infused bourbon. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. So there you go. Yeah. All right. Fantastic. Well, there ought to be, and they ought to make some bourbon-infused bacon to go with it. You know, like a yin-yang kind of thing. Hey, if you want, I'll send some bacon salt with you. I've got the bacon salt. I actually want the bacon mayonnaise because what's going to taste better? I got that, too. Then a turkey sandwich with bacon mayonnaise. I got some bacon A's, and I've also got bacon gumballs, you know, like just in case you want some. Oh, we never made Richie eat a bacon gumball. Oh, we got 45 minutes, sir. We sure do, right? right. Here's what we're going to get done. We're going to play this Tony Bennett interview. Then we'll take a break. Um, We'll come back. Or depending on, we could also talk about your tattoos on the other side of this. So we it's like six minutes. So we'll play the Tony Bennett thing. More from Tim Riley coming up. But then you are going to... When, when is your mom coming to town? Uh, tomorrow. Okay. So she doesn't know about the tattoo. She's not in listening to range right now. No. Okay. So we got to figure out how you break the news to your mom that you and your sister got matching tattoos on the insides of your wrists. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. So everybody be thinking about that. All right. Uh, in the meantime, uh, so we pre-taped this. I'm not going to pretend that it's live. Uh, but uh, earlier today... It was pretty great, too, because I was doing the uh, my Outlook Portland thing, and then I was, like, bolting back to town. I'm like, must get to Portland, must interview Tony Bennett. So uh, Susan Reynolds took this up for us. This is uh, uh, Tony Bennett on the Rick Emerson radio. But the next time you hear will be me interviewing Tony Bennett this morning. So there's, like, six minutes. We're back on the other side of this. Here's a phrase we don't get to use nearly enough on the show, and that phrase is... And now a living legend. It is a real honor to welcome to the Rick Emerson Show a singer, actor, a cultural icon, the one and only Tony Bennett. Mr. Bennett, hello. How are you, sir? Thank you very much, Rick. It is a real, uh, a real thrill and an honor to, to have you on with us today. We should say first and foremost, it, it is amazing and wonderful and, and inspiring that you're still out there doing what you do. In fact, you've got a new record that has just come out. It's called A Swingin' Christmas, featuring the Count Basie Big Band. And if you can't, tell me a little bit about, about this, new, uh, this new record that's out. Well, it was my son's idea who managed, my son manages me. And it's kind of a family affair because I've also introduced my daughter, Antonia, who does, it's the first time we've ever recorded together with, in a duet. And uh, I've got my love to keep me warm. And then uh, and my other son in the Bennett studio, recording studios in Englewood, New Jersey. So it's a family affair. We put together an album 
that the premise of it is that if anybody's having a holiday party, uh, they can uh, they can put this album on with a bunch of swinging Christmas songs, holiday songs, and uh, and help the party uh, go along with a nice beat right through the whole session that everybody, the family and friends could get together and hear some real happy music going on for the holidays. And your your voice and obviously you know, your name, you yourself are such a presence. It, it, as a boy, you know, you're born in Queens, you're growing up. What was, as a boy, the most you hoped for? What was your idea of success when you were just growing up? Well, you know, it's funny. I felt uh, I had a job as a singing waiter because I didn't like any other kind of work. I just loved to sing, and so it, it just felt beautiful to me. And I, I said, well, I'd like to be successful someday, but if I'm not, I'm going to do this kind of work for the rest of my life. As long as I got paid singing, uh, I'd stay a singing waiter as long as I, I if, if it felt out that way, I would have been completely content just being a singer for the rest of my life. What was the um, what was the first song or artist that really inspired you? Where you heard a song or a performer and you said, "That is what I want to do. That's for me." Uh, it was a, 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 a song called "St. James Infirmary Blues," and I heard it when I was in the Second World War as a soldier in France and Germany, and uh, I loved it so much. I just said, "I, I want to learn how to sing that one." And it was the first song I ever learned was the. St. James Infirmary Blues. We're talking to Tony Bennett, and obviously you've made such a name for yourself, not only as a as a performer, uh, you know, as a solo performer, but doing duets, and you've really raised duets to an art form. The album uh, Duets, an American classic, and it was the, the, the biggest selling album uh, in a long and storied career. Is there somebody that you have not had the chance to duet with, or you didn't, that you, you know, that you wanted to, a dream duet, somebody from any era, a dream duet you haven't been able to do? Well, uh, I, just regrettably, uh, my favorite artist who taught us all how to perform properly was Louis Armstrong. And I wish I had made uh, an album or, or even one recording with Louis Armstrong, because he was the greatest. When you talk about putting on the uh, the new record, uh, Swingin' Christmas featuring the Count Basie Big Band, you talk about putting that on and setting the holiday mood and getting everybody, just getting the right vibe for a gathering. I, I have to ask, you've made so much music that is, is so beautiful and so romantic. I, I would be doing a disservice to my listeners if I didn't ask, what does Tony Bennett listen to when he wants to set a romantic mood? I, I can't even imagine what you yourself pick to listen to. Well, my favorites, uh, you know, they were 10 years my elder when I was a young boy, and that was Frank Sinatra and Nat King Cole, Ella Fitzgerald, uh, and also the big bands, you know, from Tommy Dorsey and, and, and uh, you know, uh, Count Basie and, and Duke Ellington and Woody Herman, Stan Kenton. That was the era that I came out of, and I loved that music. And just like a, a lot of the folks you mentioned, you have you have you've not slowed down. You show no indications uh, of doing so. Is this is it safe to say that that this is something you're going to do until the absolute end? That you are going to do this until your final well, moment? You know, I can only go by the fact that no matter where I play in the world for the last forty years, I've been sold out in everywhere in Asia, in Europe, in Canada, Australia, the United States, mostly. And but wherever I play, the audiences have sold out before I even get there, and that that enthusiasm turns me on 
so that I, if somebody says, why don't you retire? And I say, no, no way. I said, if I can, if, if I can entertain, make people feel that good, and then they make me feel good because I'm making them feel good, I don't want to, I don't want to retire at all. And, and I do have to say on behalf of not just men, but primarily men, that there is, there is a real style to what you do, a real panache, they would say. And I have to say, a lot of guys and men have grown up looking at folks such as yourself, such as Frank Sinatra, as really, in a way, uh, an, an example of how to carry oneself. As Frank said, uh, the way you wear your hat. And, you know, you really are a, a standard bearer still of style. Well, thank you very much. Um, as we get ready to wrap this up, we're talking to Tony Bennett again. The new album, A Swing in Christmas, featuring the Count Basie Big Band. Tony, what is your, hands down, what's your favorite Christmas song? Uh, have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas by, by Hugh Martin. He wrote The Boy Next Door and the Charlie Song for Judy Garland years ago. And he's a great friend. He lives in San Diego. And I just love him. He's such a magnificent guy. And he wrote that beautiful song yourself a merry little christmas well uh i i do actually wish you that very sentiment uh mr bennett thank have you. yourself a great holiday a merry christmas continued success and in Rick, life i wish you a music. happy thanksgiving thank you all right there you go tony bennett how great is that oh that's kind of Jeez. awesome yeah well, i'm the coolest guy ever rick i was just thinking do you think it's even possible in like the modern entertainment area for people to be that cool anymore no it just can't happen anymore. no it's not no because it's just because the era of having you know, uh, you know, because back then, you know, the media, you know, and the way it was so consolidated in the hands of just a, a handful of companies, you know, there were limited choices for entertainment. So if you were one of those choices, you were one of just, you know, a few dozen people to be on the national stage at any given time. Yeah. Which is why, no, not to knock him or Sinatra or anybody, but, you know, as I always say, it's like it's like that final episode of MASH getting a 50 share. That's never going to happen no, again. it's never going to happen Cause, again. Because, you know, back then, as great as MASH was, there was only three channels. So that certainly helped. Not counting PBS. Yeah, so, I mean, <laughs> now, you know, there's so many choices, you're never going to get that, that amount of exposure again. So. Plus, I think back then, also, there was an agreement between... Uh, performers, you know, and the and the you know like you know and the the press media that you didn't air the dirty stuff. Totally, you know, yeah. it was uh, it we're, was it was understood. We're talking about the JFK banging him two at a time on the uh, White House desk. No, allegedly, uh, he did it. Uh, all right. So uh, all right, we're here with uh, Aaron Durang, city dot com, and uh, all right. So we were talking about this early on, and and I guess this is now the time to call. So for those, as they used to say in the Phantom, for those who came in late. So Sarah has. Heather has two mommies and Sarah has two tattoos. You three, actually. Well, I have three, yeah. Okay, so your mom knows about your first, the tattoo you got years ago. Yeah, I got it, I got it when I was 16 and rebellious. But she thinks it's a youthful indiscretion. Yes. So why, now if I can ask this, why is your mom opposed to tattoos just in general? I don't know, to tell you the truth. I think she's just from a different generation and not used to people covering themselves in or, tattoos. Whereas, you know, I live in Southeast Portland where I'm the minority because I'm not fully, right. you know, like have a half sleeve or a full sleeve or anything. Do you also think, because you said you grew up, was it, you were a Navy kid? Yeah, Navy kid, Catholic kid. Do you think maybe part of it is that since she grew up around a bunch of Navy guys, she didn't want her girls oh, totally. looking like them? Maybe she thinks boys. it's like a, yeah, she, she associates it with disreputable men, perhaps yeah, the military. Maybe. So... But when you went well, to... Well, she's always excited when I'm dating somebody without any tattoos. See, there you yeah. go. See, I'm so... She associates with maybe... Like, she's like, does it wear black and have a lot of tattoos? I'm like, nah. you know, whenever I'm talking about someone, so... No. So you're, you and your sister, uh, Heather, uh, both, you get... So each of you has a tattoo, together four of them, but you each got a tattoo on the inside of your wrists. Mm-hmm. So on each wrist, you guys have a diamond, 
Or uh, what is yes, it? Yes, we have like a, a gem shape, and then on, on my right hand, it's, I have my birthstone, and right. on my left hand, I have hers. And then on, for her, you know, she has her birthstone on the right and mine on the left. So your mom is coming into town tomorrow. Yeah. You are riding with her back to Bremerton. Yes. Your sister is coming to town when? Not till Christmas. Christmas. Oh, I see. So, so you got I'm like. I'm doing the nice thing. This is part of Heather's Christmas present, by the way. You're taking taking a I'm hit taking for the team. I'm taking one for the team. I'm taking one because she's been so freaked out and stressed out about my mom finding out, and she was afraid it was going to ruin Christmas. You know, because mm-hmm. she's only going to be in town. Heather's only able to be here for like five days. And she doesn't want to spend it fighting with your mom about the tattoo or so, getting the cold shoulder or whatever. So I said that I would ruin my Thanksgiving break and tell my mom. Excellent. Good You're for you. You're a good sister. Sarah. Yeah, really, you are. So. um... And see, and the thing is, if you tell your mom, like, look, Heather and I got matching tattoos, deal with it, all she can really do to Heather at this point is call and leave messages Heather can just delete. Mm-hmm. Like, she can't get to New York through the phone, you know? Whereas, you know, I'm, I'm going to have to wait until, you know, until I get to Bremerton where I'm not in, you know, the three-and-a-half-hour car. Oh, no, you can't do it while you're trapped in the car. Do your parents drink? No. Well, oh. my dad does. My mom doesn't. Oh, see, so you can't even wait until she's had a few. Yeah. Um, what if you go through your dad first? Like, how's he? How is totally. He what if you ask your dad? Okay, to be to be. Because you know honest. how you, you can do the whole thing. Like, you know how much your little girls well, love each other. Because my dad has blah, blah, blah. tattoos. Right. Yeah. So he he has like four or five tattoos. Um, so I actually did tell him. All right. And what was his response? He's like, oh, your mom's going to be pissed. Does your mom wear the pants? <laughs> yeah, well, she's always been the, the more commanding one. She's always been like the punisher. Oh, I see. So the fact that your dad... Sorry, I'm not picturing She's the bad cop. So the fact yeah. that your dad knows doesn't get you anywhere, really. No, it doesn't get me anywhere, but I just wanted to pre- prepare him. I'm like, just let All you know, right. this is what's going to be happening at, at Thanksgiving. Do break. you and your dad have a lot of those discussions like, well, you know, you know how mom is. You know how your mother is. Well, he's, he said, you know how your mother, she's like, you know how your mother's going to react. She's going to be upset, but she'll she'll get over it. But, you know, you have to prepare for the fact she's going to be upset, which kind of, you know, freaks me out a little bit more. All right. Well, I suggested bluffing and saying like, you know, and I'm pregnant. No, just really, it's t- just tattoos or whatever. Mm. Um, I don't you know. You know, see, normally I'm right with you. I go for the kind of wacky shenanigans, yeah. you know, the the bluff there. But this time, I think you, I can't believe I'm going to say this, I think you got to play the kind of sweet, you know, the Heather sweet and I, card, like the family. Yeah, like Heather and I love each other, and this is like, you know, our, you know, we bond over this, this is how close we are, and, and Dad thinks it's really sweet too, Mom. Oh, I wouldn't throw, throw my dad under the bus. I'd throw it under the bus. You could take it. He's a Navy man. No, because I, I was going to do, Todd the Corpse actually wrote me something really good to say. He said, you can set it up like, you know, Mom, lately I've been thinking about how important family is and how important it is in my life, especially with Heather so far away. I've been blessed with not just you and Dad, but with her. Uh, it sucks that we don't look closer together, but I really wanted a way to be continually reminded about how much she means to There me. you go, to, even so when, when we're far apart. when I her in New York, I felt like it would be meaningful to do something to show that. No, no, that's a great idea. That's a good one. That's well done. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hi, this is Skypey the Clown. Hey, I wanted to say, um, I think you guys are right on. As a symbol of the bond that you share, and you never know what kind of things will happen in life, so you, you will always have this memento of your sister, regardless. I'm not trying to be too dark, but right. uh, also, if you could possibly... Uh, have made it part of a fundraiser for one of her favorite charities. That would have been something, but I guess well, that ship has sailed. You so. want to have veracity here, but yeah. definitely as a part of a symbol, like a, a bond. No, and I see. Honoring her, her fostering the, the bond between you, because like for instance, my siblings were split apart by my mother. So there you go. Because yeah, my mom always does make a big deal. She just always says how grateful she is and appreciative of, of how close we are. Right. Right. Excellent. All right. Uh, there you go. Thank you, sir. Yeah. Now, not to be too manipulative. Now, does your mom have siblings? Yes, but. Um, yeah, but Please tell me that one of them doesn't talk to her anymore. I mean, that sounds wrong. <laughs> that sounds she has one, well, she has one that she gets along with really well, and then one that she doesn't, and then one that's deceased. Okay. Um, I wouldn't play that angle there. No, don't go the deceased angle. That's going to be too much. But you might say, um, well, so that doesn't work either. I was trying to think if maybe there had been 
I don't know what I was. I was hoping that there had been some sort of maybe uh, I was thinking maybe some sort of sibling issue that was serious enough that you could use it as a reference, but not serious enough that it seemed sort of morbid. Mm. Where you could be like, well, I know that you wish like. Well, how about this? Like if maybe uh, this doesn't work, obviously, but like if your mom had been split up from one of her sisters early on, but then they'd reunited later in life, so it was all fine. My mom was the only girl. She had three brothers. Right. See, because then you could go, I know how for many years you didn't see your sister, and, you know, know, now it's okay, but you didn't see her for many years, and you felt very separated from her. And this is so Heather and I never feel separated. See, but it doesn't feel like you can really play that card. She can still kind of do that. Like every time I look down, I I can never stay mad at Heather because every time I look down, like she's there. right, she's right there. All right. Can you play the card of the sibling she doesn't get along with, or is that probably not? Uh, because she gets, a, yeah, she gets along with all of them. Just, okay. All right. Just uh, go the Fellowship of the Ring. Angle. Hi, you're on the you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hi, Sarah. Don't go with some cheese ball. I love my sister so much. Just explain to your mom that I'm an adult with no kids, out of wedlock. I'm not. You but know, that's just going to remind your mom you don't have you don't want kids. Right, that's I'm gonna, gonna be go. a tattooed spinster, mom. <laughs> yeah, no, see, that's all. That's just gonna remind her mom that she that Sarah is another bad. But then you Catholic. just have a good point where I'm not, you know, I'm 28 and I'm not having the babies out of wedlock. She's not addicted to drugs. You're working the job you always wanted to work. Your life's going pretty well, except for the fact you have some. Now, will that will that cut ice with your mom if you say, look, here's all the things I'm not doing wrong. That might work. See, I don't know. Yeah, sometimes some moms that works with you can say, look, I'm not knocked up, I'm not strung out, uh, I'm employed. You know. Uh, so I got a tattoo, you know, in, in the grand scheme of things, is it really... See, I guess what I'm saying is, can you reason with your things? mother? I'll try, but she's very emotional. See, yeah, I the thing is, like, the reasoning that might not work, that the logic, sir, that you're suggesting might not work, it works with some parents. See, I know others. where that guy's coming from, but yeah. I tried to use that same excuse when I got caught playing D&D in high school. I was like, look, I I'm not be, getting high. I'm not, that's exactly what I right. said. It didn't work. You're getting so, high with tattoos Satan. Tattoos aren't geeky, though. Tattoos are cool, so that's... Well, well moms typically aren't cool. <laughs> I'm not trying to deny, but you know what I mean. It's like moms coolness doesn't count with mom at all. Like your but mom... Even moms know D&D's kind of late. No, but here's... A... Oh, all right, well... Thank you. All right, well, you got to oh. move on. Yeah, I guess my point, right. though, is... Your point, though, is your mom doesn't... Ju- Look, how about... I think this? I might have to go, like, the gentle, like, foofy route. Yeah, because saying it's cool doesn't work with your mom. Because no, she it... does not care. She always thinks it's weird whenever I come with, home with a new colored hair. Totally. Because just like your dad wants to think that you'll never date a boy ever, you'll remain pure and chaste forever, mm-hmm. moms... Don't care if you, because moms equate coolness with danger. Moms always yeah. think that if you're trying to be cool, it's going to end with you like in the morgue. Moms are trained to equate coolness with risk. So you don't want to play the cool thing. And plus, here's the, here's the other reason you can't play the tattoos are cool thing. Because your mom will go, well, honey, all you ever have to do to be cool is to be my daughter because I love you. <laughs> That's exactly Which what she Which is sweet, like but it totally like doesn't help She's you. She's like, I love you just the way you are. Yeah, Did she know about when you had the, the, the was it the LeBray? The LeBray, whatever it was? Yeah, yeah, she knew that. How did you think of piercing? Yeah, she she hates piercing. Like, she, I I, I had my nose pierced in high school, and I came home with, like, we went to Seattle and went up to, on Capitol Hill to Broadway, and my friend, a couple of my friends got tattooed that day, and then I I got my nose pierced. And that's not even permanent. No, that was, like, 15, I think. You know, judging by the way you acted in high school, you could just say, Mom, not in high school anymore. (laughs) Seriously, I didn't marry my loser boyfriend in high school. She doesn't even like your hair color, and that's very temporary. Mm -hmm. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Uh, how good of a memory does your mom have, Sarah? Pretty good memory. Because what I would do is... I you, told you, you know I was going to get this. Pat, well, you, wait, I always do this with my mom. I, I'm passive, kind of passive-aggressive about it and try and put her in a position to where she she's not sure, but she really can't object. So, like, what I would do if it was me, 
is I would go up there and I would make sure she didn't see him on the trip back up, but then don't bring him out and make him a centerpiece, but just act normal and, and you, and she'll obviously see him. And so when she brings it up, you just say, well, I'm sure that you saw that. I know I told you about that. And That's right. Make your mom think she's got Alzheimer's, Sarah. <laughs> and then, well, no. Then Way to go, sir. Then that gives you the platform to say, well, you know, I, I was sure I told you. Don't you remember we had a conversation? Wait, I let me, hold on. Hold on, let me understand this. So you're, you want Sarah to do something with which will either, A, make Sarah look like she can't remember whether she says things, or the mom can't remember whether or not she heard things. Well, but the thing of it is, is her mom's going to know that she never really had the conversation, but it gives Sarah... But it'll force her into lying and thus foster no, an atmosphere not... of deceit. That's also sinful. Do you still live with your mom? No, not lying. What I'm saying is, is then that gives her the platform to launch into her story about That is lying. It's the very... I appreciate any idea that people are offering. Okay, but I'm just saying you you can't say it's not a lie, sir. That's the very definition of a lie. It's a thing that's not true. You know what? Just go for broke. Deny it. Where'd you get those tattoos? I don't have any tattoos. tattoos? (laughs) (laughs) No, you just say, say, I'm sure we had that conversation. Then you just launch into the conversation. Well, I'm sorry. You know, do do you love your sister and it... Is that every time you look at him, it reminds you of her and all of that fun stuff, and then it gives you the platform then to really tell her the story. So and the lie so is just the uh, the key that gets you in the door of truth. Well, sure. Yeah. All right. Thank you, sir. That's the bad mi- part about it is yeah, that, yeah, I, I, that I have already lied because I went and stayed in Bremerton for two days and wore those goddamn well, red fans. Well, that I do think, not to sound like they call it, but I think that is different. Because you don't have to say you had him then. She never needs to know that. That doesn't matter. And I love my mom and her not questioning my fashion choices because never once did she ask why I was wearing right. red, white, and blue wristbands, even with my pajamas on. Well, that's the good thing about you is, like, it doesn't matter, right? Mm. She's so used to you dressing in whatever, you know, your own kind of unique style. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, sir, I have an idea for you. Yes. Um, go out and get a bunch of, like, really, you know, crazy fake tattoos and put them all around that one and then, just, <laughs> then when she says hey what's that you always just fake and you just peel off one of the fake ones but eventually won't the mom note that the one is still there yeah but with the how hideous like all the celtic armbands and stuff like that would be that one would Ooh, get a lot of like fake beautiful. tattoos like a flaming stone okay, that is actually a genius idea and i think i might go along with that along with something else so I'll cover my arms in fake tattoos. But really bad, gaudy ones. Really bad, horrible ones. Yeah, the flaming ones. skulls and the snake. And you got to have one I heart mom live to kill. Yeah. Uh, and then I'm going to try and make a jo- That's pretty funny. And actually. then you say, actually, they're all fake. Well, except for these two, which I got because of... I love my sister. Yeah, so seriously, because of, uh, because of sibling love. There you go. All right. There, and there's something there. All right. Thank Thanks. you. And if, uh, that, I, and if that doesn't work, you can always just wave your hand in front of her and say, you don't know this any terrorist. <laughs> these, these aren't the risks you're looking at. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, Rick. How's it going? What's up? Hey, I don't know if somebody brought this up to Sarah, but uh, I just started listening at the end of the Tony Bennett uh, interview, which was great, by the way. Thank you. But uh reason some old people have a disconnect with tattoos, and they might not admit it, my dad, he was like a cokehead. He was a rocker. He doesn't go to church, right. any of these things. But... And the tattoos, he wouldn't always admit it. One time when I got a certain tattoo, kind of really put him over the edge, he finally came out of him. But basically, uh, a lot of the old-timers believe that piercing and tattoos is a sin against God because the Bible says that you're not supposed to defile, defile your body. I will say this, actually. it's sacred. I'll say this. We were talking about this during the break. I have a friend of mine. I won't use his name, but I have a friend of mine uh, who, it, it, you know, he doesn't really practice anymore, obviously, but he was, you know, raised in a, a very strict Jewish household. And... Not only in the Jewish faith are you not supposed to get tattoos, but if you get a tattoo, when you die, 
you cannot be buried in a Jewish cemetery. Yeah. You cannot yeah. be buried. And so, he, A, every time he goes to see his mom, he has to hide. And it's a huge, it's massive, man. It's giant. He has to hide the whole thing. Somehow he wears, like, long johns. And he lives in fear that he, this is kind of perversely funny, actually. He, li- he, he lives real carefully, doesn't drink, doesn't smoke, doesn't cross train tracks, because he lives in fear that he will die before his parents and that they will go to bury him and be like, and, Rabbi, we need him to... Oh my God! Oh, no. And then they'll see that he has a tattoo and can't be buried with the family. Because uh, my parents are kind of religious, so that could be a, a thing for yeah, my mom. You're I, not gonna get past that. I know somebody, and again, I'm not gonna say names. This person's parent is also uh, Jewish, right? And they have a massive tattoo on their back, I guess. Yeah. And in their will, they have it written that upon death, once they're declared dead, that the coroner or somebody is to remove that chunk of skin Just so they can burn be it buried off. in the wow. Jewish cemetery. Yeah. Oh. All right. Hey, uh, Sarah. Yes. Hey, one more thing there, though. Uh, basically, I'm covered in tattoos, and no matter how many I got, it was the same thing with my dad. Sounds a lot like your mom, but basically strength and numbers, like the fact your sister did it. Once my uh, little sister started getting tattoos, you know, and it was becoming hip all over for people to have tattoos, it's really like, you know, strength and numbers. Just use that. That's okay. the only tip I got, but, all you know. Right. Thank you. Thanks. All right, good luck. How about this? Okay, one more, and then we got to take a break. Uh, how about this? How about you not only... Give the, you know, and I would rehearse the speech about mm. family togetherness. I'm, I'm actually going to print it off. Totally. Bonding, being able to look down, even if, you know, because Heather obviously is, you know, a very successful career like yourself. Um, who knows? You know, you may end up at opposite ends of the world at some point. You can say, look, even if I'm in Bangladesh and, you know, Heather's in London, you know, we can look and we'll feel whatever. And you should actually say this, even if it's not true, go, Mom, and because it means so much to us. Now we've actually uh, we've actually purchased a gift certificate so you could get the same tattoo so all three of us can feel connected. She could get both of ours. Oh my God, that would be genius. And obviously she'll, but the thing is she'll never take you up on it. And if what she if does, she does? You know. But if well if she does, then she does. Then how so much the better? But then I mean, she becomes cool, mom. Yeah, but I mean, she would be cool you mom. should totally say, and it actually means, and just say like, I know you don't, I know you traditionally haven't understood this, but it's, but it means so much to us and helps us feel so much connected no matter where we are in the world. Because uh, Heather's a journalist, I'm in the entertainment industry. We might travel. It actually means so much to us that we've actually uh, we have the design, and we actually uh, you know we've actually brought you know put our money together, and we would love for you to get to get the same tattoo at you know somewhere. That would be kind of cool. Because then it's a sweet Christmas gesture. Christmas is right around the corner. <laughs> then it's a sweet gesture. So that's that's my suggestion. Okay. All right. We take a break. Back after this, uh, a few more headlines from Tim Riley, Aaron Duran. And uh, so forth and uh, whatnot. Let me see if I can get this to. We'll play this into uh, play this in the break. See if I can get this to. Uh... All right. Back after this, here's Tony Bennett on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. We return after this. Don't go anywhere. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Let your heart. Be light From now on Our troubles Will be out of sight Have yourself A merry little Christmas Make the Yuletide gay From now on, our troubles will be miles away. Here we are, 
as in olden days, happy golden days of yore, faithful friends. And now, though, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. So the phone lines have been clogged at the unemployment offices. It's because people don't know that they can file online. You don't have to go anywhere. Call anybody. Just go online. And it's got one of those weird government addresses, so Google it. You, uh, you take care of everything online, but just remember, you do have to wait one week. Everybody serves one waiting week. They won't contact your, uh, your last employer, too. And you claim benefits of one calendar week at a time. A federal judge said the government can proceed with plans to kill 85 sea lions a year at Bonneville Dam because they keep eating the fish. Isn't that what they're supposed to Isn't that part of the cycle of life, Tim? Yes, but they're interfering with people's cycle of life. All right. And who's more important? Us. That's Always right. us, Tim. Eat those tasty sea lions. <laughs> Is that what they do? What do they do when, they're, when they kill them? Are they eating them? the sea lions or sea lions? Well, you can, them? I would imagine. But, but I mean, when they, if they kill 85 sea... When, when humans have to go kill animals who are pests, I wonder what they do with that. If they feed them to other animals. That's... All right. Well, that's something to ponder. But, it? Tim, if they, but... Uh, by the way, that tone of voice is the, that's something to ponder after this weekend because I'm leaving to go prepare more news. Uh, we are the apex predator. Let's never forget that. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Tim Riley, greatest newsman in the history of the world. Happy Thanksgiving to you, Happy Tim Riley. Happy Thanksgiving, Tim. All right, enjoy your corn. See you Monday. All right. Uh, so Tim Riley back at 4, 5, 6, and 7, top of the hour, all the way through like us. And yes, uh, we will be gone tomorrow. Yes, we have no yes, new programs tomorrow. Yes, we will be. Uh, so Thursday and Friday, uh, Richie's put together some best ofs. And they are um, best of. They're not like crap thrown together. They're actually really good. No, and we're not doing that thing that uh, we do sometimes, and that other do, other shows do a lot, where it's like a best of, but it's from like a week ago. <laughs> there are certain programs, and I'm really not talking about any, but there are a lot of radio shows that are this word like, and we're gonna have a uh, rerun of a best of from the archives, and then literally it's a show from like two weeks back. So we will not be doing that. These are uh, this is stuff uh, Richie is uh, very painstakingly put together. All right, um, Aaron Durant, hello. Hello. Hey, so you haven't heard these, so I'm going to play these one more time, and then we'll get some more phone calls about this uh, Terra Tattoo business. Okay. So these are the teasers that are running for CBS Radio Theater, which premieres uh, Sunday, December 7th, uh, 6 p.m. 6 p.m. Written by yourself, directed by Jason Crump. Yes. Uh, so here's the first one. When there is no more room in hell, the dead will walk through Portland. AZ is coming. CBS Radio Theater debuts Sunday, December 7th at 6 p.m. Only on AM 970. The Talker. No pressure. <laughs> uh, all right, here's the second one. Yeah, no, thanks. In 1943, America was at war. Evil seemed omnipresent, and only one man could make our city safe. The thrilling adventures of The Crimson Mist. CBS Radio Theater debuts Sunday, December 7th at 6 p.m. Only on AM 970. The Talker. Come on, Sweet. I that's so cool. And I like the little crackle in the background. Totally. That's all buzz. The crackling dial. Directly into your imagination, the golden age of broadcast begins again. CBS Radio Theater, coming Sunday, December 7th at 6 p.m., only on AM 970, The Talker. Don't joke. That's pretty righteous. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm this perfect balance of utterly horrified and completely excited. Oh, it's going to be great. It's going to be very, very <laughs> cool. I, and I, you know, all kidding aside, having read the script, uh, knowing who the, the cast is going to be cast you know, fun. Yeah, with you writing it, Jason directing it. I mean, uh, James Robinson's going to be board hopping mm-hmm. for that. So, I mean, all 
all uh, all of my kind of trash talk aside, it's going to be it's going to be wonderful. Thank you. It's gonna I'm, be... No, I'm really excited. I'm just jazzed. And as corny as this sounds, I'm glad that I'm not in it because I want to be able to hear it. Like I'm looking forward to listening to it. Yeah, Me I'm wondering too. when I'll get to listen to it. When I'll be finally be able to sit back and say, oh, this was this was entertaining. Well, you know what? Uh, we did that radio play a year ago, and I still don't like to listen to it because there was one mistake in it that I just uh, dwell about <laughs> forever. So what you know. Mistake? Yeah, I didn't notice any mistakes. Me either. Well, I don't want to point it out if you guys don't notice it. I'm not going to point. And it I've out. listened to it a lot. Joni keeps begging me to go back and fix it because she directed. She no. said, go back and fix that mistake. And I and Tim and, and Tim and I have talked about this actually. I think maybe it was off the. I year. think I remember. I remember you saying something and I remember noticing it, but it's not that big of a deal. I keep wanting to fix it in post, but I don't because I feel like it would be dishonest to fix a recording of a live totally radio play. Be. And that's what Tim is like. Don't fix it. Live with it. Um, so, Change your name to George Lucas if you fix it. I was just going to say <laughs> that I go back and put Java in there. We should totally do that. Ebenezer, I barely knew her, but with Java. Or we're like, uh, you know, or we're like Greedo comes in and shoots The booby doctor shoots first. Yeah. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, I've uh, got advice for Sarah. This actually happened to my wife three years ago when she got her tattoo. Um, her mom walked in and discovered it, and it wasn't a, a – so it was a very uncomfortable Christmas Eve. But the best you have no advice. That, you just want to fill her with fear. No, no, no. It's the, the advice would be to uh, avoid the zaniness. There's certain things that mothers don't have sense of humor. About That's them. true. That is That's true. That's true. That she's not going to be wacky. As soon as she walks into your house, just sit her down and say, "Hey, mom, I want to talk to you about this." Then you, you know, the whole loving sister thing. Right. Uh, and then you say, I realize, you know, you're going to be upset. But just be zen with the fact that she'll be, she'll be pissed. That's true. Right. Because there's going to be no circumstances. She's yeah. going to be happy. No, that's true. It's going to be an uncomfortable ride. But the thing you really need to stress is, you know, mom, as soon as our feet hit the ground in Bremerton, it's over with and we have an enjoyable holiday. Hey, there you mm-hmm. go. So, yeah, yeah almost face like it head on. Get it out of the way in the car. All right. Well yeah. done, done. You know, good advice. Well, probably not the car would be the best place. No, no, no. Wait until you're. Down no. as soon as she gets. Yeah. As soon as exactly. she gets it, that way she doesn't have time to notice it and see it. Yeah. As soon as you get out of the car in Bremerton, you'd be like, I'm going to go to the store. All right. Well done, sir. Thank you. Happy holidays. Also, also uh, real quick, uh, yeah. the Tony Bennett interview, great. Uh, if you're looking, look for, uh, se- there's several different Louis Armstrong versions of St. James Infirmary that mm-hmm. are ph- phenomenal. Very cool. So if you want to take some Tony Bennett advice there. Done and done. Thank you. All right, Richie, can you come into the studio quickly? Uh, Richie Bristol. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. What's up? Um, the whole tattoo advice thing. Yeah. Uh, my mom used to give me some some crap about my arms because I eventually ended up being sleeved. Mm-hmm. First thing she ever said to me is, well, won't you be easily identifiable if you get in trouble? And I'm like, thanks, Mom. You figure I'm going to be a criminal. That's, that's fantastic. But um, when I was a kid, I don't know, my parents always knew I was going to do it. My dad had made me a promise he was going to get tattooed with me. And then, of course, I get older, and he kind of tried to back out. Of so course. me and my brother went in, put down the money, and all three of us got um, a Celtic tree of life put on our back. So me and my brother and my dad have it. So now you're all outcast together. Me, me and my brother also have, like, you know, our coat of arms tattooed and right. stuff like that, so we have some matching ones. All right. Thank um, you, sir. But I gave my dad the same advice because he wanted to get sleep, like, work on his yeah. arms. And I told him, I was like, you know, are you going to get in trouble at work? And he's like, no, but I don't know if I should. And I figure it's probably the same thing because, you know, you're worried about your mom as, totally. kinda, you know, an authority figure. Right. All right. We've got to run. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Happy like, holidays. That's nice advice. No, we're, we're like almost out of time here. Okay, okay, Richie. Take her to meet Dennis Pitsenbarger. That'll help. Yeah. Well, she's met a bunch of my fr- tattooed friends. Right. She's met Lisa, and Lisa has like a full thing. Hey, Richie Bristol. Yeah. At the end of the week here, you have to have a bacon gumball. Oh, mm. no. How many calories in it? It's a gumball. It's a gumball. You're fine. Don't become an actual woman on me. Oh, okay. All right. The tape? No, you got to keep chewing it. Don't be a sissy. All right, you have a nice time, Richie. What? You go ahead, pimp away. Oh, today tickets went on sale at Taboo Video. Keep chewing your gumball. Keep chewing the gumball. Or you can't quit. You can only pimp as long as you're chewing the gum. 
Uh, if you want to see tickets of me in drag with the Lips Cabaret at the North Bank, December 13th, tickets are on sale. There's only 74 tickets left at the three taboo video Buy locations. them now. All right, excellent. Proceeds right. to benefit Martha's Pantry and Metropolitan Community Church. Excellent. Have All right. Oh, All right, we want to thank Cena Radio Correspondent Steve Castamon, Jim Roop, Bob Costantini, Lisa Desjardins. We want to thank Aaron Duran and Tony Bennett, ladies and gentlemen. Rick Emerson, show producer today and every day with the loving and talented. Sarah Dillon for AM 970 The Talker, the newsroom, Tim Rowland, the phone, Richard Bristol, the gatekeeper, Dave Zinn, webmistress, Bridget upstairs, CBS Radio Portland marketing guru, Susan Donut with me, Reynolds. Like us next, Michael Maris, show at 7. We're gone Thursday and Friday. Best of, have a safe holiday, everybody. Have fun, have, have a good weekend. Yeah, uh, and uh, best to you and yours. We'll see you on Monday. Watch out for stakes. Bye now.